You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ah, got him. That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hello there, Star Wars fans, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all the latest news and rumors on Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker, as well as The Mandalorian, The Clone Wars, Jedi Fallen Order, and all the other cool and exciting projects coming up in the Star Wars universe. As always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-hosts, Tim and Paul, with me. How's it going, guys? What's up, Kyle? Doing good. I mean, still on a high buzz from that rise of Skywalker trailer celebration, Chicago. And it feels like it just happened, but we already got more great stuff to talk about with the rise of Skywalker, more new info, new content. Of, it's just great. <laughs> it feels like we're getting too much good stuff about the movie. I'm kind of surprised that I think it is on the same schedule as what happened before with getting trailers for the previous movies and then an article from vanity fair. But to me, it just seems like it was so close together and that's awesome because it just, you know, makes you more excited for the movies. So can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about, and I'm. I it's been too long for us to to discuss all these things. So there's so I'm I'm like busting out of the seams to like talk about so much stuff. And of course, they had to put the Vanity Fair stuff out the same week we're going to record with all this other information. It's just I'm on information overload, so I'm I'm ready to explode with it all on this episode. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, I don't doubt you. Um, but yeah, so just so you guys know, um, obviously our last, well, our last episode that we put out was our Revenge of the Sith commentary, uh, that we put out on May the 4th and hope you guys all enjoyed that. Um, but the last one of our regular episodes that we recorded was after Celebration and we talked about the Rise of Skywalker trailer. Um, and we were going to do a whole other episode talking about the Mandalorian. We still haven't really gotten to that yet. Um, and this has been kind of a busy past month and we haven't been able to record in a while. Um, And we were going to talk about that today, but then, yeah, they put out this Vanity Fair article with all this stuff about the Rise of Skywalker, and we've got a bunch of new images and stuff. Um, And we also have a few other movie-related items to talk about, too. So I think this episode is going to be just movie-focused, and I promise we will not wait another month before recording another new episode, and we'll uh, get back pretty soon here and talk about uh, The Mandalorian and finally kind of blow the lid off of all that. Um, and then I'm sure by the time we get around to that and put out another movie commentary, we may have some more Rise of Skywalker stuff from Entertainment Weekly or whatever. Um, so we're getting right into the thick of it here, um, and, uh, just rolling right along with the Star Wars stuff. So let's just dive right in, uh, with this Vanity Fair article. Um, and, uh, I don't know, where should we start? We got a bunch of new images, 
um, and uh, lots of new info as well. I'm just going to, I'll start with this, uh, this handy little info write-up that Tim did for us um, that's over on our website. Um, just kind of recapping some of the main points of the article as far as uh, just giving us new info on the movie. So it's revealed that the movie will take place about a year after The Last Jedi, uh, which we weren't thrilled about, but we'll get back to that in a second. Um, the new desert planet we saw in the trailer will not be Tatooine or Jakku or Jeddah, uh, but it's a new planet called Pasana um, that's at the edge of the galaxy, and it'll have... Uh, native race called the Aki Aki, as well as uh, some new creatures called the Orbax, which we see um, in one of the photos here, we see Finn and Janna, um, the new character that's played by Naomi Aki, and they're uh, riding on these creatures. Um, Can I ask a quick question? Are you, are we sure those horses are on that same sand planet? Because it looks like they're on that that planet that uh, Ray... Yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I was actually just wondering that same thing. That um, stood out to me in the article because, like, I they have to make a correction on that later because, like, that's that's not the same planet that we've seen in all the other shots in the trailers. I wonder if that was a mistake, but I mean, Vanity Fair still has it on there, so I guess for now we have to go with it. But maybe it is a planet that has more than just one distinct environment for the whole world. Maybe yeah, I was going to say, could we finally get a Star Wars planet with multiple ecosystems? I know. The shock. Um, well, you know what? Let's actually just kind of take these point by point. Um, and we'll talk about any kind of yeah, relevant cool. images that come up along with it. Um, rather than reading all of it and then just doubling back, because we're going to kind of talk about each of these points anyways. So let's back up just to the fact that, uh, so the Rise of Skywalker takes place a year after The Last Jedi, uh, or about a year. Um, and I mean, I think we had heard that before in an interview from like John Boyega, where it sounded like he was just kind of guessing. So we weren't sure if that was really confirmed. Um, but I know a lot of us were hoping that it was going to be a little bit longer um, period of time, like maybe more like three to five years, just to give the story a little bit of space to breathe and feel like things have kind of developed and changed since the end of the last jedi where we saw the resistance basically down to like enough people that you can fit on the millennium falcon um and we wanted to see like how they would have rebuilt and how um their fight with the first order has evolved you know over the course of time and and see them kind of in a different place um in episode nine now i will say from the info that i read in the article it seems like that is kind of going to be the case they talked about the fact that not only will we see uh, Finn and Ray and Poe all together in the Rise of Skywalker, but that it'll kind of be hinted at that like they've been like going on missions together for a while now, like they're kind of a crew. Um, and then they also talked about like the fact that Ray is you know progressing in her Jedi training and she's almost kind of a full uh, fully trained Jedi by this point, whatever that means because she doesn't really have anybody else to train her except for just reading the books and you know Luke exactly. and Yoda talking to her as Force ghosts. But I mean, we'll see how all that plays out. Um, so at least, you know, I'm, I'm glad that it's not picking up right after the last Jedi. And I think a year is like the bare minimum of time that they could work with to make it feel kind of believable that things have progressed beyond that point. But I know we were all kind of hoping that it would be a little bit longer. I'm hoping that when we see the movie, it won't actually matter that much, um, that it'll still feel like a good, like natural progression and it'll feel like enough things have changed since the last Jedi that it doesn't really matter how much time it's been. 
Um, but I don't know. What were you guys kind of initial thoughts on this? Well, one of my big complaints was the sequel trilogy in, in general is kind of a bummer is that it takes place within a year, essentially. Obviously, mm -hmm. The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi take place like minutes after each other or not even minutes. It's like literally exactly where it left off. Um, it's a little disappointing to me because I like I love the idea that Lucas did where he had he gave it gaps and everything as far as the years behind and between everything. Especially with the sequel, or excuse me, the prequel trilogy, I love the idea of these huge long uh, gaps where lots of different stories can be told. And I'm not sure if that's purposeful, but I don't know. I, I've always thought that was a cool tradition to do with the uh, saga films, the Skywalker saga, if you will. But it's just kind of weird to me that where, at least with the Empire versus the Rebellion, there's like a, a good like what five year you know, six, four to five year gap, I guess. I, I thought it was five years. I always thought there was two years between Jedi and Empire. But Tim and Andrew Loopy on Twitter were definitely uh, letting me know, no, it's only a year. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, okay, that's fair. But I think it's, isn't it like two or three between A New Hope and Empire? Yeah, it takes it's, place it's between, three guess, for that one. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's a good, so it spans over four to almost five years of the original trilogy. That's a good chunk of time of developing the characters and living with, ramifications of different things and whatnot. Whereas everything just takes place in one year in the sequel trilogy. It just seems very, oh, oh, and again, I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here. I'm really not. It just seems very unorganized and, and, and a very un George Lucas thing to do. And I don't mean that in a good way. I mean that in, in a sense to where they're thinking, well, this is what normal uh, sequels do. So we'll just do the same thing. It'll only be like six months or a year or Right afterwards, that just seems so un Star Wars to me. For, I, I, again, I, a year at least, or at least we're getting a year, but like the fact the whole saga takes place in a year, whereas we get like 15 years or whatever with or whatever it is for the uh, prequels and the five years, it's like it just seems so, it just seems so, it seems too traditional for me as far as a regular sequels. I feel like it's, if this was Star Trek, this is exactly what JJ did. In which I think he did. So I don't know. That's the impression that I get. And I just, it just seems very, just, I, I don't know. I just wanted more space to have more stories to tell. And, and maybe the, the, the trade off will be that at the end of The Rise of Skywalker, we'll get more post Ray, or if she's assuming she's still alive, stories after The Rise of Skywalker in like books and things like that. Maybe mm -hmm. there'll be more, uh, they won't be afraid to tell those stories. I, I kind of want them to because. To be honest, like you could just tell the writers, listen, you can't do anything major like give her a love interest and marry someone and give her kids or but it'd be cool to have things where like they, you know, have a little freedom after the film, too. So I don't know. I'm kind of in in, in this in the, in the camp where I wish there was more time. But that's again, that's just me. No, I'm in pretty much agreement with you there, Paul. Um, I was excited. I am about the rise of Skywalker and this article of Vanity Fair really amped up that excitement. If that was even possible after the trailer, I will say there were a couple of disappointments while reading this article. Um, nothing too huge. That's going to make me, you know, not less excited about the movie, but stuff that just made me go, Oh, that's a bummer. And one of them was the short time gap of it only being a year between episodes eight and nine. And for all the reasons you just said, Paul, I disagree with everything pretty much um, because it just, I love that sense of history that you got amongst the characters that we saw in the prequels and the original yeah, trilogy, yeah. 
even though we're only seeing them, you know, one, like two more films after the first one of a trilogy, you just got that sense that they've been through so much between each film. And that's not really the case with the sequel trilogy so far. And maybe even though it's going to be a year, we'll get a sense of that once the rise of Skywalker begins, but you still know that it's only going to be a year. And they're really, that isn't that much time for these characters to build like that history and other stories and adventures that they could have been on throughout the course of that time. So that is a little disappointing. I think it's more disappointing on the grand scale of the trilogy, more so than the time between the last Jedi and the rise of Skywalker. Even though I, like we said before, I was hoping for it to be five years to really have the resistance, maybe build itself back up and they could be more of a formidable foe to the first order. And it could really have like a big scale army battles between the two. But it looks like that's not going to be the case, even though we might get some battles with some other factions, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But um, yeah, so again, not a huge like deal as far as the grand scheme of things, but it was something that was a little disappointing once I read that, just thinking that it's only going to be a year. But you made a great point, Paul, that I totally agree with, because part of the fun of having those big time gaps with the other two trilogies is that we get to fill in those blanks with comics, novels, TV shows to get more of those stories. And the sequel trilogy is only going to have, you know, a small window of a year to play with if they ever to do, decide to do something like that. But the different thing, like you said, is maybe they will just continue on from where the rise of Skywalker ends and we'll just get more stories that way. And hopefully Ray, Finn and Poe, they all survive to, you know, really form that history together as our new core heroes that they can still continue on with, you know, some adventures. But at the same time, too, I, it makes me think that if it's after the Rise of Skywalker, um, hopefully they would get a sense of peace in the galaxy for a little bit. If this really is the conclusion of this grand saga, there would be a time for hopefully where they, you know, not just sit back and relax, but hopefully the galaxy has known peace for a long period that um, it hasn't had since the days of the Old Republic. <laughs> so it'll just be interesting to see if that's the way they go. But to me, that could be the only direction they can go if they want to include new stories with all these characters. Yeah. So that's yeah. why well, it becomes major. The disappointment comes from. Well, and, and I, I, will I think say, one problem is they're probably going to do those stories anyways. Like, and we already know that. Like, and actually, we'll talk about this a little bit later. They've already announced some like Journey to the Rise of Skywalker stuff, and like there are going to be at least a couple like books and things before the movie comes out that are going to kind of fill in that time gap. But then after the movie. But, I think there's still room for them to go back and tell more stories of like the adventures of the resistance as they're rebuilding and kind of building up to this final conflict with the first order. And like you said, they could tell more stories after nine, but I'm assuming we're going to see the downfall of the, of, um, of the first order in episode nine, at least, um, mm. because, you know, we know that they're planning to take a break for a while after this and that the next star Wars movies aren't going to be episodes 10, 11 and 12. Um, and so I think to just leave it hanging where like Kylo Ren and the first order are still out there at the end of this movie, you'd be like, well, what the heck? Like, I think that would, they don't want to sacrifice giving the movie a satisfying conclusion just for the sake of being able to continue the story in comics and stuff like that. Um, so I do think a lot of those comics and novels, um, and then of course, you know, we've even got like Star Wars Resistance, uh, still that's going to be on TV. Like that stuff is going to kind of fill in more of that year time gap. And I just hope that like, there's definitely a potential where we could get to so much stuff that it's like, this seems like a bit much to take place all in a year. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know how long yeah. Star Wars Resistance is going to go for, but you know, can you imagine like 
four se- like the four seasons of Rebels or the six plus seasons of Clone Wars, like nobody's going to believe that all that takes place in one year. Um, yeah. So you really kind of limit yourself on your story to- storytelling capabilities, which is a shame because, and as we're talking about this, I'm like, I really don't think, or at least I hope that this isn't going to negatively affect the movie that much. You know, and again, like I was saying, I hope we watch the movie and it just makes sense. Like, oh, okay, this feels natural. Like, it feels like a a natural progression of the story or a good amount of time has passed or whatever. Um, But I feel like it wouldn't have hurt the movie to make that gap like two to three years instead of one year. And when you're working with something like Star Wars, I mean, again, you don't want to sacrifice the quality of the movie for the sake of the books and the comics and stuff. But at the same time, like when you can leave room to expand on the story, like why wouldn't you want to take that? Even from a business standpoint, like that's just extra marketing opportunities and stuff to sell more Star Wars merchandise. So I hope they're not shooting themselves on the foot, shooting themselves in the foot here. And I hope we're not like we we may be making it out to be a bigger deal than it's worth. Um, Cause again, I'm sure yeah. at the end of the day, this really isn't going to affect the quality of the movie itself all that much. Um, but I just hope it doesn't feel too cramped and too confined. Well, if I, if I may, I think one of the things I liked what they did try to specify in that article, Kyle, was that they, it's very, they would make it very clear, or at least JJ is telling everyone or telling the, the writer we're making it, it's clear, you'll, you'll, you'll see it's clear that they have been on adventures before right. and that they've been a crew. And so I like the fact that that, that is emphasized as a point of like, okay, we got to make sure these guys have actually been together. Because again, a problem with The Last Jedi is that they're not, this is the first time, or post Last Jedi will be the first time that all three of them will be together as one crew. So, and again, I'm not, it's not a shot at The Force Awakens or Last Jedi. It's just the way it kind of worked out. And so, you need to have some kind of time gap. It's just interesting that it's interesting that he chose a year. And I, I, I and like you said, Kyle, and, and I'll just be the last thing I say about this is I think as long as it makes sense and it doesn't matter if it's a year, that's all it that matters. And, and obviously that's a, it has a big possibility of, of turning into that. My only beef is, is that I wish that there wasn't, I, I I do wish that there was, you know, a little more room, but at the same time, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt no matter what. And hopefully it'll be a great story regardless of the time frame. But, but yeah, I think you, you said a great point. You, they might've shot themselves in the foot a little bit as far as story stuff in between last Jedi and uh, the rise of Skywalker, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Another thing too, where I just really wonder, as you mentioned it, there is a specific reason why JJ chose one year. Is that going to be something that's really, you know, a focal point to the story or he just decided that there was enough time. I'm kind of thinking it's going to be the latter where he just thought that's plenty enough time and it's not going to be that much of significance to it. But like I said, it is curious to why he decided he felt a year was the right time between episodes eight and nine. So yeah, I don't know if we'll ever get that answer in the movie, but maybe down the line, he'll give a reason why he felt that was the right choice. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and like I said, hopefully once we actually see the movie, it'll all make sense within the story. Yeah, hopefully we won't even be thinking about it. That's, that's the ultimate <laughs> yeah. goal. Um, but anyway, let's move on to the next point, um, which, and I had just brought this up, but the, uh, so the desert planet, um, that we see is not Tatooine or Jakku, but it's a new planet named Pasana. 
Um, and yeah, according to the article, native to that planet will be a race called the Aki Aki, as well as new creatures called the Orbox, which are the ones that we see Finn and Janna riding. So, um, first of all, we've got yet another desert planet. Um, yeah. <laughs> which, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, again, hopefully there's a reason within the story that this is not Tatooine or Jakku. Um, or, or my theory from the trailer, Moraband. That's out. Yeah, <laughs> Moraband or Jetta. Like, do, do, we really, you know, this sand really is getting coarse and rough and irritating and getting everywhere. Um, <laughs> uh, that line hasn't been more accurate. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, as I was just saying, how I wonder what the reason is for JJ to why he chose a year for the time gap. But for this and the new planet, I'm really hoping there's a specific reason why he decided to have a new desert planet. Because if there's no significance to this planet, Pisana, even though I do think Pisana is a good Star Wars planet name, I'll give it that. But if there's no reason for it to be here, why not just make it Jakku or Tatooine? Especially Tatooine, as we talked about plenty of times how fitting it would be to end the Skywalker saga on the planet where the Skywalker saga began. But... That's why, you know, for this reason, I really hope there is something significant about this planet that forces them to make to create a new desert planet for this movie. So we'll see. But this was disappointment number two in the article for me reading that, you know, we're getting a third desert planet now in the saga. So, yeah, we'll see. But uh, once I read that, I was like, hmm. Yeah, three, <laughs> we're all joking around how three might be too many, or they're not actually going to create a third desert planet. We already got two, but nope, we were wrong. So <laughs> we'll just have to hope for the best that there is a big significant reason in the story to why they're going to this new planet. Yeah, and I'm all for new planets, but it's like, if you're going to take us to a new planet, why make it another desert planet? Like, and I get that it's a cool location that they got to film at, um, but yeah, I don't know. Again, we we haven't seen much of it like but from the shot in the trailer and from the images in this article that we have gotten like it looks like it could be right off of Tatooine. Mm -hmm. um, and so hopefully there'll be some kind of distinguishing feature in the movie or some specific reason why they have to go there that it'll make sense both why it's a new planet and why they still needed that desert environment. Um, if I may, I think this I <clears throat> again. I think from what we've heard that JJ likes to film in sequence of the movie. This is again, what I've, I've heard allegedly is or online or read online by people that, you know, again, and you, and you're in filming Kyle, and we've kind of talked a little bit about this too. I think that if it's, if that's true, what they say, and he likes to film in sequence within reason, I'm assuming then the last day of filming we got was, was a picture on that sand planet with all three of them. Right, so, but didn't we find out later though that that wasn't actually the last day of filming? Did we? I, I don't thought remember. so. I I, I don't think I yeah, I, I think I saw that in an interview with either like John Boyega or Daisy Ridley or somebody where they or maybe it was Oscar Isaac. It was one of the three of them. Like I read an interview with them somewhere and they said uh that that image, you know, got shared around a bunch because they shared it on the last day of filming, but they, oh gosh, I think it might have been Oscar Isaac who said it, but he was talking about basically how much like they all love each other as a cast, and he was like, "Yeah, that wasn't us being all emotional because it was the last day of filming. Like we were just hugging because we love each other, and like they just mm. you know captured that photo, mm. and that was the one that JJ chose to share on the last on the last day of filming, but that wasn't well, necessarily what they were shooting that day." 
But okay, fair enough. I that I assume that might have been it. But let's assume that I let's assume I am right for a second. Then, if that's the case, then then all the sand scenes could be potentially be the end of the movie. Well, I'm totally so, expecting that. Yeah, God, you're I expecting with too. the Death Star wreckage and the image that we see here with the the what looks like a lightsaber duel between Rey and Kylo. On yeah, some on some rain swept metallic surface, you still think that the desert planet is going to be the final hey, act? Well, I, I'll, I'll take I'll take that. I'll take if that's if that's the last act of the movie. Then and and that means the emperor definitely plays a giant role. I hope you're right. Oh, I would think I so. Like, why are small. you going to have Palpatine show up halfway through Act Two? And Fair enough. That could lead into what we were talking about earlier about maybe those locations are the same planet. Like it all that final. Well, act all takes place on the planet, but yet there's different environments to it. I don't know. That could be. Maybe um, that's the uniqueness of the planet. It changes environments, almost like Mortis on the fly. Oh, <laughs> how well, cool would that be? That you know, would just, be different. I just realized something. What's interesting is they don't conf- they just say they go to two new planets, right? They yeah. say they go to Pasanas and the other Kijimi, whatever it is, whatever that planet is. <laughs> Kijimi, I think. Yeah, whatever. Kijimi, Fuji, I don't know. Yeah, um, think, anyway, you think they would have confirmed the third one with the Orbat creatures that, you know, well, Finn and Janna are what, riding on. This is what I'm saying, though. Mm-hmm. What if this is Endor, and they didn't say, they said, oh, they go to two mm-hmm. new planets this, in this movie, but they're not going to confirm Endor because it, they're going to leave that for, you know, kind of a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like if you haven't figured it out yet, blah, 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 because what if those are creatures native to Endor? And what if they are on? What if what if this a movie a good portion of this movie does take place on Endor because of the Death Star wreckage and the Palpatine? Which I'm assuming mm. I'm going to go ahead and bet my my Wonder Man statuette that I have here that that <laughs> that the Palpatine's on the wreckage of the Death Star. Like his spirit is 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 tra- is trapped on there, and maybe he's one you know you know whatever. Yeah, so I don't think anybody's going to argue with you on that. Well, but my point is, but here's my point. Like, is this the end or is this the, like in the middle? I don't know. I I would love, I would love for the end of the saga for Ray to be, you know, that scene we see in the movie of, of Ray looking onto the uh, Death Star. That's like the end of the movie where Ray and Kylo Ren are going to have their final act you know, battle. But then maybe if Kylo Ren is conflicted, I don't know. But, uh, but either way, I, I kind of think that's what's going on. I think Endor is a big part, like is a big part of this movie, and they're just not going to confirm it until you go see the movie. And I feel that they're going to hide that. And maybe I mean, again, we I don't know. I, I still I still tend to think I'm I'm leaning towards, especially with that whole scene with Kylo Ren. Again, I'm assuming Kylo Ren's in the Tie Fighter. That's a scene at the end of the movie between Ray and Kylo Ren. I just I have a feeling. I think I think that's more towards the middle, the shot with the TIE fighter. Um, I hope so. because wait, the, wait. The, the Death Star, I mean, I don't think I don't think that's going to be right at the end of the movie. And then it's just like, go on the Death Star, have final lightsaber duel with Kylo Ren, end of movie. Like, I think there's a lot more going on there, especially with Palpatine and whatnot. But I think them I, I think like maybe whatever they're doing on Pasana if that's not the planet where the Death Star wreckage is, because it could be if it's, you know, if it's a planet with two different Native environments. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, because here's the thing. If the Death Star wreckage is on Endor, then either way, we're going to see a planet with with more environments than we're used to seeing. Because then that means that the shots of like those grassy plains and stuff 
it's either on Endor or it's on Pasana. And one's a desert planet, one's a forest planet. So that means there's something more going on on one of those planets, or they That's just forgot, or they yeah. or they just forgot to tell us about a planet. Um, <laughs> but which could be Endor? Which could be Endor? Well, no, no, I'm, ta- I'm talking about a new a new planet. Oh, um, oh I see. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's like there's either there's either more to Endor than we think, or there's another new planet that they forgot to tell us about. Um, and again, it would make the most sense for the Death Star wreckage to end up on Endor, but you know, don't be surprised if they're like, "Oh, it floated all the way to this neighboring system, and it's on Pasana or whatever." Um, Which I'm down with. I'm down with that. Yeah. So I'm just I'm not betting on it being Endor, but I think it's a very real possibility, just because we know this is you know all the aftermath of the Battle of Endor. Um, but yeah, I, I think. They're, wherever that Death Star wreckage is, I think they're gonna. Fi- that's gonna be like the end of Act Two of the movie is like them finding that, and then whatever is gonna happen on there, uh, involve you know Ray fighting Kylo and whatever's going on with Palpatine, and it, like that's all gonna be the final climax. Because um, I just don't see that happening earlier in the movie and just being like a plot point along the way to some bigger confrontation that happens on some random desert planet. Um, but we'll see. I don't know. There, there's still a lot of unanswered questions, but that's just my speculation kind of piecing together what little we have so far. Yeah. Um, but as I said, also in that uh, little bit there, um, just talking about those Orbacks, like we have the, the image here of Finn and Janna, um, riding on these things that it looks like they're charging into battle. I mean, we don't see them fighting anybody, but um, Janna is kind of like slung over to the side of hers. Like she's riding it like with both legs off on one side and she's got a bow pulled back um, and Finn's got his blaster in, uh, in hand. So, um, and we only see the two of them. I'm assuming that there are probably more people either next to them or behind them um, and that they're maybe charging into battle against the First Order. And I mean, this would be... I don't know, like a really unique Star Wars battle. We've never seen anybody. Well, I I take that back. I can't say we haven't seen people go into battle riding on creatures because that would be a discredit to the Gungans in episode one. Um, But Obi-Wan in episode three. Well, that's I'm talking about more like battles, um, not like one on one chase scenes. But, you know, where we see like mounted cavalry units that are on animals and not like tanks or speeder bikes. Um, so that would be, I mean, that'll be a really interesting and unique take on a Star Wars battle if there are like a bunch of these things. Um, and we'll still kind of show, I think like, hopefully the resistance will have a lot more forces than we saw at the end of the last Jedi, but you can see they're still kind of desperate. Like they're the underdogs. Um, you know, it might almost even have like an avatar kind of vibe where it's like the good guys are using like, you know, the nature and the native creatures and stuff to fight like the big, bad technological terror of the bad guys. Um, yeah. And see, that's something that doesn't get me too excited because that's kind of what we got in return of the Jedi. I don't want to see the whole thing where like the unadvanced civilization with their primitive weapons takes down, you know, the technologically advanced first order and their big machines. And like, we saw that already, you know, how much, that bugs me in Return of the Jedi. The well, Empire yeah, but look at, I mean, these things look a lot more I, fearsome than Ewoks. Yeah, definitely. But I will say, I mean, the, hopefully, you know, there's more of them, like you said. We, I mean, bring back to those leaked images we first got of this 
of these creatures when it was just <laughs> we saw them as normal horses with like little CG dots on their face, and now we see them in their final design, which they look awesome. By the way, I love the look of the orbacks. They really feel like Star Wars horses, and how they would look in the Star Wars universe. I think they look really cool. If I'm if I may, I, I'm with you, Tim. I love this picture. It's actually maybe my favorite picture. And it, granted, it's also like the most like action oriented and more like in the movie picture that we're getting. And I, I'm with you. I love these designs. These designs are totally Star Wars to me. I think every I, I was not too into the whole Hawkeye thing that uh, uh, Janet has here. <laughs> But I'm starting to, I'm starting to, I'm, I'm buying into it. And I'm, and I, I think it's a little bit different what you're the Ewoks versus the empire, because I have a feeling this is not, I mean, even though I, I kind of wish I don't, it's not going to be like this, but I, I think it's going to be a small scale thing again, where it's the resistance is going to be bigger than it was obviously in the, in the last Jedi at the very end, but I feel it's going to be all mainly focusing on the small group of people and how the, it's a small group of things flying after them, like a Kylo Ren and the Knights of Ren, a small, maybe militia of first order troops. And I feel like once the figureheads are gone of the first order, then they'll, you know, they'll be kind of like, you know, free. And, and, and cause they've kind of set up the fact that these people are brainwashed and you kind of wonder if once the hierarchy is gone, that maybe the soldiers will just stop fighting and just want to be their do their own thing. And I think maybe that's a point with the emphasize in the film. Whereas once they either destroy whatever this is running the first order now, whether it be Kylo Ren or Robert E. Grant or, or Hux or whatever, whatever the problem is, I feel like it's going to be like an, a, a very obvious thing where instead of these people like are pure evil, they were brainwashed. Does that make any sense? Like instead of being this military operation and believing mm. in it, these people are brainwashed. They could do a thing where it's like, you're free. You can do whatever you want. Now you, 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 you didn't enlist cause you wanted money. You were, you were forced into this. Now yeah. you're free. Especially with Finn being on the other side, exactly. you can really be the one to make the point to like whether stormtroopers are left or not, they're fighting. Right. So I guess the reason why I'm saying that is I think that we're not going to have, unfortunately, I'm predicting not having, a, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think we're going to have a giant resistance war versus the First Order War. Maybe in some ways we will, but it's not going to be this giant, giant thing. I think it's going to be a small a small group versus another small group. And and Jane, I, 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 here's my prediction. And again, I, I know nothing. I'm not, I'm avoiding spoilers. I wonder if Jaina is, is not just a part of the planet and just happens to be there and ends up hanging out and in whoever's inhabiting that just says, Hey, we're going to help you kind of a thing. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the way I kind of look at it. I, I, I think it's going to be a small group kind of thing. So yeah, we'll, we'll see, I guess. Well, now that we know it's definitely only a year after the last Jedi, my expectations of like a big scale resistance versus first order war happening has been tempered where I'm not going to expect a battle on that scale anymore. But I do hope it is something where we see more soldiers riding on these Orbacks because it's because they look awesome. And like you said, guy, it would make for a really cool, unique Star Wars battle scene that we haven't seen was like the main focus on it is horseback riding and uh, attacking from there. So that could be really cool. And going really? back to your real quick on your point, Paul, as far yeah. as not expecting that full scale resistance first order battle to like be the climax of the movie. I'm actually OK with that because that just means that gives the climax and the final act to really focus on the Ray and Kylo and Palpatine and stuff and stuff that has to deal with the force. If that's the focus mainly for the last act or the final battle, I'm all good with that. And maybe the resistance and first order stuff happens kind of more towards the middle 
to set up and focus yeah, on yeah. those stuff with mm-hmm. Ray and Kylo. Well, well I it still... would also support well, really, really, really fast, Kyle. I think it would it actually would support what you're saying because if you look in the Rise of or Rise of Skywalker trailer, there is that shot of an A-wing right before, like around the metal uh, snippet there. Yeah. In the trailer where an A-wing is going down and it looks like it's on the sand planet. So that would actually support like and be more interesting to have like this big giant war and then they have to get off that giant war on the sand planet to get to find whatever is the main issue or maybe mm-hmm. is where this is. So sorry, Kyle, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, no, that's OK. I was just going to say, like, I mean, you guys are kind of debating, like, is this going to be like a smaller scale conflict or like a big scale thing? I'm hoping that we get one big epic showdown between the resistance and the first order. Um, but obviously, like you were saying, Tim, because it's only been a year, like maybe the resistance hasn't built up their forces that much, but I wouldn't expect them to be like evenly matched anyways. Like that's never been, uh, that's never been what star Wars is about, or at least not with the, the original trilogy, which this is obviously modeled a lot closer after than the prequels. I mean, with the clone wars, it was just massive armies of clone troopers and battle droids duking it out, but it was Palpatine pulling the strings the whole time anyways, to just manipulate it towards the end of the Jedi and and him getting power. It was never really about which army was going to win. Um, but with the rebellion versus the empire, like the rebellion was always the underdogs. And I think like they kind of made it clear, like the one advantage that the rebels did have was their space fleet. Um, And you see like big space battles where they're pretty evenly matched in terms of um, maybe like the Empire always had the numbers, but like the Rebellion had really good pilots and really good ships and stuff. Um, But especially like the ground battles, like, you know, the Battle of Hoth, it's like a few snow speeders and some ground turrets and stuff against this massive army of Imperial walkers. And the Battle of Endor, you got a handful of rebel troops that have to fight alongside the Ewoks. to take down all these stormtroopers and ATSTs and stuff. And so like the, that's kind of like a theme in star Wars that the bad guys always have the numbers and the good guys have to be like resourceful, um, and can't just overwhelm them with sheer numbers and firepower and stuff. So I am hoping that we get to see like a big epic conflict with like a big group of resistance fighters and that this isn't just like a small little skirmish. But again, I'm sure that the first order is probably going to have like tie fighters and walkers and stuff. And, the resistance is probably going to have to scrap together, you know, whatever they can get their hands on. They're riding in on animals. They're fighting alongside local militias. They're, you know, grabbing like whatever allies and whatever resources they can um, just to, to try to push back against, uh, against the first order. I also really hope that we like, I hope that we get a space battle at some point where we get to see Poe back in an X-Wing. Um, and I know that's kind of always been his shtick and it seems like they're maybe trying to develop him more as a character to do other stuff. And obviously he's in his Indiana Jones looking outfit and all these pictures. And I'm totally cool with that. Like I'm, I'm going to enjoy seeing him and Ray, him and Ray and Finn together on the ground and going on a mission and whatever. Um, but I do hope that at one point we get to see him in an X-Wing one more time, um, you know, in a space battle against the first order. So um, we'll see if, uh, that ends up playing out. Like you said, I mean, there's going to be some kind of aerial battle because we got that brief shot of the A-Wing going down. Um, but yeah, definitely whatever kind of confrontation between those forces we end up seeing um, is going to be one of the most exciting parts of the movie. Not the most exciting part when you've still got Ray and Kylo yeah. and Palpatine <laughs> to deal with. But um, yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. 
Um, but then uh, the next point we've got here um, is the introduction of another new planet called uh, Kijimi, um, which is the snow-covered planet that we see in the trailer, and that's home to a place called the Thieves' Quarter, um, and it's also where we'll meet Carrie Russell's character named Zori Bliss, um, who's a scoundrel um, and has that cool-looking helmet and kind of that, like, uh, that purple outfit with the gold and everything. She looks like a really cool character. Um, and, uh, just, you know, another cool new location that we're going to get to see here. I'm sure this is probably where we're going to get the obligatory Moss Eisley Cantina homage that we get in every single Disney Star Wars movie. <laughs> um, but hopefully they can put a little twist on it by making it be like, not just, oh, hey, there's some funny looking aliens, but like, maybe we'll get some cool, like bounty hunters and rogues. And this will be kind of a shady looking place. Guys, I think I'm in love again. <laughs> you got a new helmeted character. It's not worth that. I'm going to tell awesome. Phasma you're cheating on her. Uh, well, sadly, doesn't like she's going to play a factor in this movie anymore. So <laughs> her time is done. But yeah, I love Zori's helmet. We, we got that leaked poster that we saw and those leaked images of what her design was going to be. But seeing this high quality image, it looks awesome. I mean, I can't wait to see it in action too. I mean, it's describing her just as a mass scoundrel, but hopefully, or I'm hoping that that's just kind of something to give a brief description for this article. And there's more to her than just being a scoundrel who gets involved with certain characters. You know, I still had my theory out there about her maybe being a, a former Knights of Ren who modified her helmet to make it more advanced and a new outfit. But we'll see if it goes that way. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I just hope there is more to her than just being, you know, your typical scoundrel. Slash, I mean, didn't call her a bounty hunter, but one of those types who's just hanging out at a at a local bar and gets mixed in with the characters. Hopefully there's more to her than that. But regardless, she looks awesome. I can't wait to see more of Zori and, and this planet too, because um, we got that brief glimpse of it in the trailer, which made it look, unique even though it's being described as a new snow planet but it, it did have a cool look to it that i want to see more of and we'll see how much time we get to spend here and just what role she's going to play is she going to be more on the first order side she's going to be meeting up and joining some resistance heroes uh lando maybe maybe she gets involved with him and that, sh that their stories kind of intertwined with t together being that they're both described as scoundrels at <laughs> certain points of their lives so uh, maybe she'll mix it up with lando a little bit but um, it's an awesome image and it's one of my favorites of the batch that got released from vanity fair just giving that nice clear close-up of this new cool costume so yeah i'm excited to see more of zori hopefully she'll be in the second trailer yeah there's there's a lot i think with her i think she looks great and i'm really really intrigued I think there's some more to her. She's a, you know, obviously JJ and Carrie Russell are, have a, of a good working relationship. He casted her because he, you know, knows her well. And, uh, I think th they're downplaying her role completely. And I think that, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I kind of feel like there's, there's a reason they're going to see her. There's a re you know, obviously, obviously there's a reason her character is in here and I'm, I, I think that she'll she'll play. I think she's either, I think she's got to be a Knight of Ren or an old. Uh, she's hiding out somewhere and kind of doing her own thing. I think there there's some connection she has with someone mm -hmm. in the in, in previous tri movies, whether it be sequel trilogy or original trilogy. 
I think she's got a connection to them and that's why they're going to her and they need her help for, you know, whatever reason. And maybe she knows what's going on. I, I just have this feel, the sinking suspicion that she is something more than what, you know, again, the more secrets there, this movie has a lot of secrets and mm -hmm. it's even more secretive than the force awakens. Let's, let's be real. That's, this is probably the tightest of tight. They've had a movie in forever for Star Wars. Everything, everything else has gotten out pretty easily, I feel. The Last Jedi was, I think, moderately okay, but this one is like, I feel even more wrapped up tighter than that. And obviously The Force Awakens had leaks all over the place. So there's a lot going on in this movie that we have no idea is going on. And I, and I guess I have a, this really uh, sinking suspicion that she there's something to her, like she, she has a deep connection to why they're going they're going to her. So we'll see. Well, here's the thing. Do we even know for sure that they're going to her or is she coming after them or maybe is oh, good point. Kylo yeah, yeah. going to her? Like, I mean, somebody could be going to her for some information. I mean, obviously, it definitely looks like she could have some kind of implant or computer or something in that helmet of hers. So she may, you know, be very smart or have have a bunch of data or like memory recorded or something like that. Um but she also could be the next Boba Fett. Maybe somebody needs her to track something down or to capture somebody. So um, I think there's a lot of ways they could go with it. I don't know that I'm like I'm not leaning too much into it like you are, Paul, as far as thinking like, oh, she must be like a Knight of Ren or have a connection to some other major character. But I definitely do think she's going to have some kind of important role in the story. And it's not just going to be like one scene of like, oh, hey, here's this bounty yeah. hunter person we need to go talk to. Like, um I think she's going to be somewhat significant. But then again, we thought that about Captain Phasma. So, you know, I'm I kind of... I had to remind me. I'm keeping... <laughs> I'm just saying it's a cautionary tale. Um, we got a cool-looking right. new character. She's going to play some kind of role in the story. I'm not putting all my chips down as far as her being super important or anything like that. But hopefully she makes a cool addition to the story and, uh, you know, gets some cool stuff to do. Here's a wild theory. I'm sure it's not going to be accurate, but... Has it been confirmed that, remember that shot in the trailer where we see that ship going over this planet, that it looked like the same one that Ray saw in her vision of her parents dropping her off on Jakku? Mm -hmm. What if that's her ship and she ends up being Ray's mother? And that's too, the big significance. She, yeah, she's too she's too young to be Ray's mom. How old mom. is Carrie Russell, though? Dude, yeah, Carrie Russell could definitely be... Now, first of all, we don't even know no. if we're going to ever see her under... Yeah, no, Carrie Russell's like... I want to say my age, bro. Nah, she's, she's older. Than yeah, you. she is. She's barely older than me. She's like 40 something and raised like 20 in her mid 20s or early 20s. She'd have to have her like really, really young. It's possible. She Kyla is she's 43. Now, that oh, does, she I could be know. playing a character that's like 50 for all we know. And Ray is still only like 19 at this point. 20, All I right, guess, if this is a year, year after. Coming in again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not predicting that she's going to be Ray's mom. I'm just saying it is very possible. Um, like, yeah. I'm just like, it's all bets are still on the table. But also, um, I mean, the fact that JJ says we're going to get more info about that and Ray's parents, that there's more to that story just leads me to believe, you know, Something's going to be told with that, and if I'm going to do wild speculation, maybe it could go in that direction, or maybe it is Zori. I don't know. Well, I would say my guess would be it's less likely that she actually is Ray's mom and more likely that yeah. she just maybe knows something about that. 
That's like, definitely possible. Maybe too. Yeah, Ray, that, yeah, that's true. Maybe Ray goes back to that vision, sees that ship again, and tracks down, like tries to track down the owner of that ship. Um, or maybe they they get connected to her some other way. Like, but what if what if here? How about this? What if they? What if that is his her mom, right? And she's like, I found you, and she's and she's just like, she's not excited to see her because she's like, I I just I have no, you know, why do you resent me, you know? And she's just like, because I don't, I just gave birth to you. You don't have a father. Like, what oh, if like, <laughs> oh, what if she said that? I would literally, I would just be like, thank you, JJ. Yeah. Thank you. Like, I'd be like, thank you. We're done I here. I, I would be like, okay, we're good. We're good. I, I, I would just be like, yep. All right. I can leave. <laughs> all right. I don't care. You know, I, I just would be, I'd be so happy. I mean, that would be rad. I don't think JJ has the guts to do that, to be honest, because he's too much like, do my own thing. But, uh, well, so yeah, I, I, hope, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But I think everyone, all the all the quote unquote professional on those collider shows, whatever, are like, well, I don't think JJ will do it. JJ does his own thing, you know. And I'm not saying they know; they probably know this stuff, inside information, more than I do, or you know, because I don't give a crap about that stuff. But nothing would please me more is if like when I know when JJ sat down with George Lucas, supposedly quote unquote sat down sat down with George Lucas, which I'm hoping he, <laughs> he, he said he did. Not skeptical about that because <laughs> I believe that they, he they, did. They all are. They're all like nah, 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 whatever. And, J and granted, I don't blame him necessarily either because JJ kind of like spat in his face, in my opinion, in The Force Awakens. Like, I'm going to do my own thing, you know, and whatever. But it, nothing would please me more if he, you know, because the one thing I will say that he's repeated himself multiple times is, you know, this is a nine film saga, not a mm -hmm. not a one, you know. So he is, it sounds like it's, again, he's saying all the right things. Whether he actually does all the right things remains to be seen. But if this girl, if this lady ended up being Ray's mom, a bounty hunter, like a total BA, and she's like, yeah, I have no idea. Like, it, you, I resent you because, you know, I want nothing to do with you because you have no father. And I never asked for to have a child. And I just dumped you off the biggest yard I could. I mean, think about that. And like, maybe the, the people Kyla was describing weren't Ray's parents. Maybe she gave her up. These, uh, this other couple found her and then yeah, they yeah. sold her off. It could yeah. be. So I, I think there is, that's where if she is Ray's mom, that's what, again, I'm just going my own, my own wish fulfillment. If that's the way they were going, that's what I'd want. I'd want it to be like an Anakin, the second Anakin. Again, we're, mm -hmm. if we're going to have a Skywalker title, if the name Skywalker is going to turn into not a family name, but a, a name of a force user going forward of some sort or whatever, then this is what needs, and if that if that is introduced, I I'm, I'm good. Like JJ, like I'll, I'll kiss you on the lips. Like seriously, <laughs> I, like we're good. We are good. So uh, yeah, I again I, I don't mean to get off in the weeds there, but I just I so badly want like a significant like reason for Ray and not just like some lazy way out. And I just you know with JJ and, and Ryan, I, and again in my opinion, not everyone agrees with me. But if this feels like a cop out, everything that they've done, um, or at least with Ryan and what he's done with Ray in, re in regards to Ray, and I just want some significance to her, and I, there needs to be significance with her. You know, again, she's a great character. I love the character Ray. I love the idea of what what's going on with her. But I want her to be like more than just like just like oh she's a regular Jedi. You know, no, no. I want her to be special, like more special than the other Jedi. She needs to be more mm -hmm. special. And again, that's just my opinion. So, uh, but yeah, I, I nothing would, I, if she, if that was Carrie Russell's character, I'd be like, 
yeah, I'm done. I'm good. So I doubt it's going to happen, though. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Like I said, it's it's still a possibility. Um, but I I think it's a pretty safe bet that at least she could be connected to that storyline. Like if she's not Ray's mom, like she probably she maybe knows who is or at least has some information or, you know, her ship has some navigational data or something that can lead them there. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how that plays out. Um, and then the next thing we got, uh, so Richard E. Grant will be playing a first order officer named Allegiant General Pride. Um, and we've got a, a picture in the gallery here of him along with uh, General Hux on a first order Star Destroyer. Um, and it says, we will learn more about the origins of the first order in the film, which I am really excited about. Um, not because I'm like super invested in the first order and I'm like, yes, this is exciting. It's more just like, I want more sort of fleshed out backstory of how we got to this point in the story, even like before the force awakens, like we, in the first two movies, we really never got much backstory about like why the first order and the resistance even exist and sort of how they came to be. Um, And so I'm really looking forward to just getting more of that information filled in um, about the first order. And now we know, I mean, maybe that's going to involve Palpatine and some of his plans. So um, I thought exactly right there, (laughs) right? When I read that, Oh, that's cool. And I bet that's going to involve Palpatine that this is, it was all part of his grand scheme and his grand plan that he had to continue on the legacy of the empire if it were to fall. And I think that's where the history and origin is going to come from, which like you said, is going to be awesome to learn and even better that if it comes from Palpatine himself, just hearing him lay out his house, what a genius he is and all mm-hmm. the contingency plans he has and just probably saying it in a boastful cocky way that only Palpatine can, it would be amazing to hear. So definitely excited to read that. What well, we're going to get that in the movie. Yeah, no, that'll definitely be uh, really exciting to see. And I was kind of on the same page with you, Tim, thinking like, oh, maybe this was all part of Palpatine's plan all along, especially with the way that JJ keeps talking about how this is a culmination of a nine movie saga. And so I don't think this is going to be Palpatine just happening to come back by chance. Like, Mm, even if he hasn't been present the whole time, like whether he actually never died or whether he did die, but he left behind like a recording or a holocron or something like I think we're going to find out that he still has been pulling the strings or at least influencing things all the way up to this point. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wonder what, how much... I'm sorry, go ahead, Kyle. Oh, I was just going to say, like, what better way to make this feel like the culmination of a nine-movie saga than to find out that we've been fighting the same villain for the entire nine movies, even though for the last three we didn't realize that we were. Mm, exactly. I love that about... I mean, the whole reason of bringing Palpatine back, that's why I love it so much. And going back to the origin of the first order, learning about it, it makes me think if we actually might get a retcon on some of the, on the aftermath novels of how that kind of set up the origins of the first order, because as much as, you know, the story group is involved and likes to say that everything going forward since, you know, they made the announcement of legends that every book and comic game that comes out is in Canon. I have a hard time believing that JJ is going to adhere to something that wasn't a novel that kind of laid out the plans for the first order when he has his own ideas about what happened. So I, think, I don't know. I think they can still make it all work. I, 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 because remember there was Kathleen Kennedy had said from the beginning, like entered re, the emperor coming back was kind of always the plan. And yeah. 
I, I feel, you know, if, again, I haven't read those books and I probably will never read them again. Sorry, Chuck Wendig. Um, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, like, I listen, my, my dissatisfaction with Chuck Wendig aside, I don't think they're all awful. I like all the little, uh, uh whatever you call them parts. The interludes are great. Yeah. Those are um, the best parts of the book. Yeah. But the main story is not my thing and, and is it whatever, but yeah, I, it's, it's not the worst thing in the world, but it's not it's something I don't, I don't really ever, ever think I'll go back and reread. But what I will say is that if I remember it correctly, it didn't seem everything, everything they, they built towards in the, in the new Canon right now, as far as the birth of the first order and how it kind of came from the ashes of the empire, that all can still remain. I think that all is still there. I think that's all part of Palpatine. That's all obviously Palpatine's. And in fact, I always thought that if you, you know, uh, Operation Cinder was basically like, okay, we lost, so we're just going to blow everything away and mm. we're just going to retreat, just like what basically what, what Palpatine wanted. So it actually goes in line to like where it makes sense that Palpatine's still pulling the strings because he predicted that he was going to die. He predicted all this stuff. Like he knew he was going to, you know, you know, what's interesting too, again, side note here, remember when uh, the Emperor or Darth Vader told Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi, the Emperor, or no, Empire Strikes Back, he tells him, like, you know, you will destroy the Emperor. He's foreseen yeah. this. What if the Emperor saw his own demise and knew that and was, and he just planned the whole time, like, I'm going to come back? Like, hmm. he knew the whole time he was going to die. He just didn't know how. And he realized, like, oh, it's, you know, we realized, okay, I'll die at one point around this time period because Luke Skywalker is is part of it. You know, obviously the Force doesn't give us, you know, including the dark side, isn't going to give us clear visions. So what if he knew that? That's why he, he had Operation Cinder ready to go. And that's why he had all this all kind of planned out, ready, you know, ready to roll out because he knew he discovered maybe not everlasting life as far as, living uh you know cognitive you know consciousness but you know he lives in physical uh you know he kind of learned that part of it and he knew that was what was going to happen so i don't know i i kind of feel like what i remember from the books it didn't see it seems like everything is still copacetic it the only thing that they have not addressed and now it makes and obviously we knew they're going to wait or we didn't know they're going to wait but we were irritated that we they had to wait who snoke was where his origins are I think it's now a foregone conclusion that obviously Snoke getting hold of the, of the first order is probably Palpatine pulling the strings from yeah. somehow, some way. And it'll be interesting what that means and, and how we obviously know Snoke is all scarred. What if a, he's scarred because of Palpatine? What if Palpatine is the one that scarred Snoke and, you know, through his own training and, and whatnot? So, well, see, and, this might not be canon because it's not really mentioned or depicted in the movie but like didn't andy circus or ryan johnson like in interviews before the last jedi say that snoke was supposed to be like even like more powerful and like older and more ancient than palpatine was i heard older but not more powerful i don't remember that but just that he's been around for a while and he's yeah, seen I, a lot of the, of the galaxy i mean i remember that, that but i thought that, that's i man. thought somebody at some point said he was more powerful than palpatine which of course could have just been speculation or you know just somebody's interpretation of the character so um there is he, there is confirmation that that snoke's been around for a while like and meaning his 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 i'm not sure him as a dark sider 
but he, he's he lived through the Clone Wars as far as like he was been around that long, like yeah, you know, around that time. So I I I mean, and maybe that's obvious, but I mean, like there's it just seemed like he had lived and seen a lot, like kind of Tim said. That's that's definitely been confirmed. Being more powerful than the Emperor, I've never read that, and I think. And like I said, I don't know. I, I just think that there's the emperor. Everything seems like it actually lines up perfectly for the emperor to be pulling all the strings, whether it be Snoke and the or the first order or whatever. The one thing that does not remain, does not seem clear is, is Ky, does Kylo Ren know the emperor is pulling all the strings? Oh, I don't and think that. Yeah. I think he's yeah. going to find that out I with Ray. Yeah. And I, I'm with you too. And I, I'm with you too. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. This is what happens when we, we start doing this. We start going off in, in tangents. This is I told you, I told you, Kyle. This this is easy, like three hours for right here. Oh yeah, itself. but see, this so, is all well, it's, we do best. it's tangents related to what we're talking about, and it's all Fair speculating enough. about episode nine. So you know, uh, uh, this okay, is okay. nothing like the tangents that Tim and I used to get off on in the early days when you know the speculation was a wide open book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um. Anyway, yeah, and see, we got all that just from talking about, you know, this little bullet point here where it says uh, we'll be learning more about the origins of the First Order. Um, so that could be any number of things. Now we get to one of the most exciting parts. We didn't get them on the poster, but we got them in the oh. Vanity Fair images. The Knights of Ren in the movie, in the flesh. Um, and we see a picture of them with JJ on Pasana. So obviously this isn't like a screenshot, but it's just, you know, a behind the scenes shot of JJ directing them. Um, you see them all in their armor, um, looking awesome. They've got all kinds of different weapons, um, you know, swords, axes. One guy's got like a mace looking thing. And then one guy looks like he's got like a gun or a flamethrower, like as an arm. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty ridiculous, but I kind of love it. Yeah, no, I think it's cool. And then one guy has an ax that some eagle-eyed uh, fans have yeah. pointed out looks a lot like. I mean, not just a lot, like is almost identical to one it's that we see one. in Solo, um, where in Dryden Voss's chambers he's got that suit of Mandalorian armor that's like propped up holding an ax. And this is, looks like that same ax that one of the Knights of Ren is wielding. So I doubt we'll get any explanation within the movie as far as that itself. I mean, maybe that could be like a spinoff comic or something. Um, or maybe it's just a little Easter egg for us to speculate. Like, Hey, how did that get from one place to another? Um, but I think that's a cool little Easter egg there just showing some of that connectivity. So it makes me wonder like if there's anything significant about that ax that would make somebody want to go and take it from, uh, well, obviously Dryden Voss doesn't still own it by this point anyway, cause he's dead. But you know, um, I wonder if there's any significance to why that's been passed down. But aside from that, I will say the one design that I'm not in love with here, um, is the guy that's wielding like the giant butcher knife yeah like yeah. it looks like a video like it looks like the cloud from final fantasy it looks like <laughs> it, like it's that sword, it's yeah. that big like you couldn't fight like he can't fight ray with this thing like she'd cut you in half before you could lift it up um but aside from that i love the armor designs i love the weapon designs and um i'm more than just the visuals i'm just really excited to find out who these guys are. I mean, we think we know who they are, right? Like they're probably the Jedi that left uh, with Kylo Ren when he 
uh, destroyed Luke's Jedi Order. But like, where have they been? What have they been up to? What's their place in the story? I'm really excited to find all that out and to see these guys in action as well. Yeah, this is the first image I saw from the Vanity Fair article because Kyle, you sent us that group text to, <laughs> as a way to start the day, just saying "Good morning, guys." With this image, it was like, "Oh shoot, <laughs> some big Star Wars stuff's going down today." But it was just awesome to finally get an official image of the Knights of Ren. And yeah, I mean, I'll just go up and say it right away: they're not the coolest-looking Star Wars character designs. I mean, the article even says it's just a mismatch of different helmets and armor and stuff. But I like that. It's unique for them. We haven't seen that really in these type of char- like armored helmeted characters in Star Wars. All look very sleek and cool, and you know well kept. But these are just so rugged and just dirty. <laughs> like I said, they're mismatched of different parts and pieces. I just love how that's their style, and it's something different for a group that we haven't seen in Star Wars before. And I'm really looking forward to seeing it in action. This looks really, really cool. Despite not being my favorite, I just like, though, that it is something unique and different. And it is their own unique coolness that they have going for them. And I was actually surprised that they're going to be on the new desert planet, Pasana. Didn't know where exactly they fit in the story, even though we had a good inclination they were going to be in it. And then when we got that uh, shot in the trailer of Kylo Ren, um, in action, taking down that soldier, there was speculation of maybe he was fighting the Knights of Ren there. Um, maybe that will still be the case. Maybe he takes him down himself. I don't know. But looks like we're definitely going to see him in that action sequence on Pisana and just exactly who they're going to fight. We're not too sure yet, but I just can't wait to see them in action and why they're being brought now into this battle. Is it Kylo that gets them involved? Do they get involved because of Kylo's actions? I don't know. I'm just really curious to see what their role is going to be and this why it's another speculation about this planet is this the planet that they're on that they've been hiding out on maybe this is why they go to Pasana. this is the Knights mm. of Ren's home I don't know <laughs> or there's just some significance to this planet that everyone just gathers here and it's just a big clash of these different factions going at it with each other resistance first order the Knights of Ren and it's just this big crazy battle so it's going to be interesting but it just Great to get that official confirmation that, yes, the Knights of Ren are indeed in it and you know they're going to have a role to play. And that looks awesome. Well, I, I kind of think that there's with these characters that because I, I, Vanity Fair had, had said that like it's it's a, a Knight of Ren that, that Kylo Ren is taking down in the trailer. Then they Wait, went on. Did they Reddit. say that? Yeah, they did. But then they went on Reddit and then retracted the, themselves saying, oh, that was incorrect. That was a that was a misprint by us. And a lot of people are saying, oops, they spoiled a part of the movie. I'm not so sure it's I, I'm not sure, because if you look at that, par, that part of the trailer, there's first order soldiers around Kylo Ren while he's taking down that guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And. It, maybe it is a kind of a Knight of Ren, but if you look at that guy and look at these guys in this picture, though they do not match up, in my opinion. Like, yeah, I don't. No, I don't think it is. I don't think it is either. I, th- if anything, it could be a flashback. And, but that being said, if if it is a Knight of Ren, I think it's a flashback. But I don't think so. I think what what's interesting is that if you look at the the poster of the. Of the episode nine poster that leaked that's pretty much I, it was always to me made sense it was always confirmed that it was yeah. in there but now it's 
really confirm it's in there. Uh, if you look at that, like they're right, you know, Kylo Ren is right below Ray helmeted with the Knights of Ren right behind him. So I kind of think that, you know, this would again, more prove to your point, uh, Kyle, that this could be the middle of the film where the Knights of Ren show up and, you know, he gets them to, to take out Ray and everything. I don't know, but either way, what I think is what you see with this giant ax and all these different things, I'm curious how they're going to have, because you got to have them take on multiple people, right? They're, they're, they're going to take on our, our main core characters. They're going to take on Ray, Finn, Poe, right? And Chewie, probably. So those four those uh, four characters are going to take on the Knights of Ren. There's six of them. I counted. And so, at least they show us on the poster and in this picture, there's six total. So there's probably a couple are going to be ice, you know, picked off by, you know, probably 3PO by accidentally shooting them with a bowcaster, which is going to call right now. Oh my gosh. Uh, if, if C3PO kills any of the Knights of Ren, that's, I'm going to be more mad than Tim is about, you know, the empire getting defeated by Ewoks in return of the Jedi. And that'd be a fair, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. So what, what I guess what I'm saying is that I'm curious how they're going to be taken out. And also, because they are related to Kylo Ren, and again, you will go back to what's, you know, unfortunately, to Chuck Wendig's uh, writings here. Uh, if you remember the, um, oh my gosh, the uh, the char- the dark side characters. What are they called? The Apostles, not Apostles, the... Uh, uh, the Acolytes? Acolytes from beyond, that's right. Yeah. The Acolytes, if they are somewhat of the Acolytes, and again, in the, in the stories of, in the actual... Um, the life debt or not life debt, but the last aftermath book, there is that part where, again, just like in a Darth Vader comic, there's the, you know, these dark side entity takes over the person when it, cause it, it's, it corrupts the, uh, the uh, physical object. And I'm wondering if, if that's what they are, if they have, if these are actual dark side things, mm-hmm. then where are the lightsabers? And if they don't have lightsabers, how are they going to combat someone with a lightsaber? So with that person with a giant ax, how exactly is it going to fight a ray? Is it going to be just like the Praetorian guards? Because we didn't see the thing around the, the weapons of the Praetorian guards. It just had like a little thing around it to combat a lightsaber, which again, it worked. I thought it was, that was a brilliant idea, actually. So if the melee weapons have some kind of, you know, lightsaber coating, will that, hopefully that'll be on there and that'll make sense because why would they have these staff weapons and not really use them, right? Except for the mm-hmm. guy with the machine gun arm, which is interesting. So, yeah. and that I mean, was, I mean, that's something that's always kind of been in the EU, at least like vibroblades and cortosis and stuff like that. But, that but can, it, it you never know, people, had people that have melee weapons that can go, you know, one-on-one with a lightsaber. Well, I see the viral blades and axes. I never thought, could they actually do that? I thought the lightsabers would just take them out. No problem. No, they could. There were, there were lightsaber resistant materials. Um, and again, especially like even in video games, like in, in Knights of the Old Republic, you can have vibro blades and fight against lightsabers and stuff. And originally going off on a little side tangent, here's a history lesson for you with Clone Wars. Pre Vizsla was originally supposed to have a vibro blade. And I think they even like made an animation model for it. And then they showed it to George mm-hmm. Lucas and he's like, no, 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 they can't do that. Like a sword can't block a lightsaber. Like, and that was when they came up with the idea for the dark saber. But I think that's why when you look at the blade of the dark saber, it looks more like a sword blade. Like it's got like an edge to it and kind of comes to a point and it doesn't, you know, it's kind of more angular and looks like it has like one, like one side looks different than the other. And it's not as like, just sort of neat and straight like a lightsaber blade because that was originally supposed to be a sword. 
Mm, um, okay. And that was an idea that obviously Dave Filoni got from like from the expanded universe and stuff. And then, like you said, we saw kind of saw that with the Praetorian Guards, where their weapons were kind of like energized, and so um, that could be a thing with the Knights of Ren. But then, I mean, again, like even looking at just some of these weapons that they've got, like I said, that giant butcher knife looking thing, and then this axe. It's like even if they could block a lightsaber, these don't look like they're made for fighting a lightsaber one on one. Um, you know, like they're not that type of weapons. Like you don't duel with these. These are like big, heavy hitting, like you swing it once and lop somebody's head off with it. And if you miss, then you're dead. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what capacity they end up being used in. Um, honestly, at this point, like, I mean, and maybe Ray will have to fight them. And I think that would definitely be cool to see. But I'm I'm honestly more interested in them from a story standpoint than I am from like an action standpoint. Although I do want to see them in action and not mm. just have these cool guys in armor and with, you know, big weapons and stuff just standing around and telling exposition and not actually doing anything with those weapons. Um, well, I they just, do some damage, too, where it's not just they fight our main heroes and we know they can't kill any of them off. So they all got to get taken out without taking anyone out themselves. Hopefully there'll, there'll be some like resistance soldiers or out there that they could, you know, serve as like red shirts, so to speak, for they yeah. just be killed for the Knights of Red, just to show that, you know, they're a formidable foe and they're just not going to be taken down so easily. But gosh, if, I they just, spent, if they spent all this time teasing us and leading up to the Knights of Ren, only yes. for some of them to get blown away by C-3PO with a bowcaster, I'm going to be <laughs> so mad. Well, in, in, in all seriousness, I do hope that the Knights of Ren have a significant role and there's a legitimate reason of why they were missing and why they're in this movie. And they're not just like you said, they're in it in the third act. And he's like, oh, I'm going to call the Knights of Ren. Hey, guys, got to come see me. And it's, it's, I don't want that <laughs> stuff. I don't want I don't want fan service because I want I want JJ to put him in the movie because there's a 100 percent deep meaning with them. Again, yeah, I mean. I Obviously, he had an idea for them from the beginning, and mm-hmm. he chose not to. Mm-hmm. So, Let's hope so. There has, hope to, so. <laughs> there has to be. I well, the, the sequel trilogy, the sequel trilogy has not exactly been good with or kind with that kind of thinking there, uh, Tim. <laughs> so let's uh, let's be real here. Yeah, so, but it, I mean, JJ knows it's been a long time coming. So hopefully, these guys will be satisfying. At the same time, again, especially because there's so many of them and i don't think we'll get to like know any of them individually like on a personal level as characters like they probably won't have a lot of deep like character development or anything so they could be the captain phasmas of this movie um that'd be and, fun, and i think we kind of have to prepare ourselves for that i think but... more praetorian guards than that yeah even for I, I, praetorian guards i think that's i'd fair. rather that's be fair. more phasma would be more i'd prefer more phasma because there is some kind of a personality with phasma and you get to know her a little bit Whereas the Praetorian Guards are just fodder. I want them. Yeah. To, I want at least one or two, I want them to have, again, what's the, I want to know the connection between Kylo Ren. What does it mean to be a Knight of Ren? I want that to be established. And again, I would love to see this explored in a comic book series or, you know, n- no, forget. Oh, yeah, no, I, I think want, that I think that's still right for the picking. And, and, and again, let's focus on that and, and hopefully they can at least give us a, a reason why they're here now and not in or. You know, obviously they weren't here in the last two films because they all took place in 10 minutes of each other. So, you know, whatever. So at least give us some reason why they're here now. And let's give some let's give some screen time and some and some weight. That's what I'm trying to say. Let's get some weight behind these characters, not just 
cannon fodder for Kylo Ren or Ray or whatever to you know make mincemeat of. Let's mm-hmm. give them some weight and some significance in this movie so it feels earned when they show up. That's what I'm trying to say. Oh, yeah. And I think we would all agree on that. Like, yeah, I don't want them to just be cool, armored-looking cannon fodder. I want, you know, again, at least some explanation as to, like, where they've been and and have them have some kind of role in the story and not just be uh, these random masked enforcers that are going to look menacing and fight people and lose. Um. But yeah, so we got the Knights of Ren, and then it also says, uh, you know, it's also revealed that Rey will be close to completing her Jedi training, and we kind of talked about that already. Um, and the film will see the climax of the long struggle between the Jedi and the Sith. Again, like, we know that Kylo Ren is not technically a Sith. Like, Palpatine is going to play a big role in this movie. Um, and just how big that role is, as far as, like, are is... Th- I mean, we know there's going to be a, a confrontation between Rey and Kylo, but... Will there gonna be a final showdown where somebody has to defeat or destroy like a reincarnation of Palpatine or like exactly how much has he been playing the strings this whole time? To what degree is he back? Like, is he even, you know, is he still around just like as a force spirit or is he coming back in the flesh or are they really just, you know, is he actually uh, still dead, but they're just fighting, like finding out that his holocrons or, you know, plans that he left in place have just sort of been still influencing people along the way. But I do think they're going to have to sort of confront him face to face in some way, because again, this is saying it's the climax of the struggle between the Jedi and the Sith. So unless Kylo Ren has gone ahead and declared himself the new Dark Lord of the Sith, um, I think Palpatine is going to be the Sith Lord that they're going to have to face in this movie. So, um, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see how they choose to, um, you know, kind of, I guess kind of spin this into like a continuation of the whole saga of the Jedi and the Sith, because up to this point we thought, oh, well, this is a new generation of Jedi mm-hmm. fighting, you know, a new enemy who's not really a Sith Lord. And we thought the Sith were all destroyed. And we were like, okay, well, what's the deal with Snoke? And what's the deal with Kylo and the Knights of Ren? But now knowing that Palpatine is still around, it's like, oh, okay, well now let's see, uh, you know, what his game is and how he's been playing this the whole time and how they're finally going to take him down and what that's all going to look like. Well, if if, if this is going to be the culmination of, of the... And, and again, it's really funny because they, they, they say the, this ending with the Sith and, and the Jedi, they, they're finally going to say that now in the third film, whereas they kind of... They did, again, the sequel trilogy didn't know what it wanted to do. And before... It was very clear that J and again maybe J, it was a JJ thing because JJ did, made it very clear that or wanted to tell everyone that Snoke and Kylo Ren are not Sith and maybe that's the uh, whole Benedict Cumberbatch is not Khan thing going on. I don't know mm. that is a history with with JJ. So you wonder what exactly does that mean? And this is where I think the whole Rise of Skywalker name might come into play, and I think that through Ray and maybe with Luke and Anakin, let's, let's be real. Anakin showing up in this movie. It, it's like a, for, to me, it's more. <laughs> a, it, I, I, with all everything that's been said with Palpatine coming back, there's no way Hayden Christensen isn't making an appearance with Luke, with, with uh, Mark Hamill at the end of this movie. There's just no way They'll, You know, there's, there's going to be a big ending battle where, Force Ghost Anakin and Force Ghost Luke probably show up against Force Ghost Sidious at some point to help everyone out, and it's to be a culmination or whatever. 
But I have to think that the whole idea of this millennia battle that, that, that again, they're now acknowledging that this Skywalker saga will be the ending of that battle. There is going to be something with, and with a name like the rise of Skywalker, I think that's where every, I think that to me confirms that the Skywalker name is going to mean something more than just a family name at the end. Mm. Whether what that is, I don't know. But if I had a bit money on it, I would say the fact they're saying that it's going to be a culmination of the battle of good versus evil, or, or not even good versus evil, because they don't say that. They say Jedi versus Sith. It makes me think that this is the balancer. The Skywalker is now the balancer. And again, it would also go in line with the idea of Carrie Russell is, let's say, a.k.a. Ray's mom, Ray's mom, and she gave birth to Ray with no father and is a, is a pro. And then maybe every time there is out of balance, there will be a chosen one. There will be the Skywalker, if you will. Since Scout, you know, Anakin was the first one, and Ray, you know, doesn't didn't really have a family, to, you know, doesn't know who or he doesn't have a father either. That she adopts the name Skywalker to be that balancer and says and says, whenever there's unbalanced, there will be a Skywalker to rise. And maybe that's why they say the rise of Skywalker, because like that'll that. <laughs> that'll be the top, you know, and maybe that's what she'll say at the very end, you know. Every, you know, whenever there is an unbalance, because I, because I don't think, obviously, you know, George, I think, wanted more of an unbalance of good versus evil, as, you know, where he need you need to have both, where I think they're probably headed towards balance, meaning no evil kind of a thing, if that makes any sense. That's what I think mm -hmm. they're kind of going with. And because let's be real, a Skywalker is not going to be birthed out of nowhere if there's just Jedi. And that's, that's, you know what I mean? And I, I love Lucas's idea that there's always, but Lucas's idea is, is there's always going to be evil. And maybe that's what, you know, the whole point of this movie is, is that there's always going to be evil, but there's always going to be someone to rise, you know, the, the, with the power through the force and through, through love that's going to overcome. And that person's going to be the Skywalker, you know, the balancer. And I think, you know, going back to JJ's whole idea of nine films, it would make sense then that this would be the first culmination of the Skywalker. Cause you could say that Anakin was the first failed. And then Luke would by, by proxy would be the second one because he was the uh, offspring of the original Skywalker. And so he carries that tradition. He's the one that helped, you know, carry that over and then after that was done, then Ray pops up because evil continues and Luke couldn't handle it. So, you know what I mean? It just wouldn't make sense then that, again, the prophecy would then, you know, the, the, the book Master and Apprentice talks a lot about the prophecies of the Force. And maybe this is something where they're going down the line as uh, maybe J.J. will say, like, listen, these prophecies that the, the Jedi have talked about in years past – they were talking, you know, Anakin was a part of that prophecy, but Ray is the fulfillment of that prophecy. Think of, for, you know, again, I, I don't mean to get religious here, but think of Old Testament versus New Testament, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, for people who don't know or aren't familiar with Christianity, um, that there's obviously the the Old Testament refers to the Messiah, right? There's a, the coming of the Messiah. There's always different things going on. The New Testament is Jesus coming in to fulfill the New Testament. And again, and that family not, line that carried through <laughs> to the yeah Mandalorian. yeah yeah so again and i'm not and i'm not saying like it, it, jj's like oh, i'm gonna put a christian religious theme in there no no no, no I'm, not, I'm not saying that but i'm saying like there is there is something like that that could potentially be what they're going for which again i like that idea because what i love about star wars is, is that it's not just spaceships and 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 wars it's myth it's mythology 
and that's what you need. That's what's missing, I think, in a lot of the sequel trilogy is that there's there's a lot of missing mythology right now. And I one of the strongest points of the Last Jedi is its mythology. I love when the stuff on Octu is my favorite stuff of the whole movie. Uh, even though I don't love the exact characterization of Luke, I love all the scenes with Luke and Ray because I love, I love the mythology that Ryan Johnson was going for. That's why I was willing to forgive him a lot in that. So everything that we're seeing and reading in, in this vanity fair and what JJ has said, as far as the, the, the good or not only wants to good versus evil, it's the Sith versus the Jedi, the light side versus the dark. I think the rise of Skywalker is going to be in, it's going to be, you know, basically saying that there's always going to be someone to rise above both of them to, to equal that, to balance them out. And I think that's what this movie, if I'm going to predict that, that's what's probably going to be said. I hope it is. And I don't, and again, I, I, I've been, I have really speculated um, irresponsibly the, for the, the force awakens and in the sequel trilogy in general. And I'm really trying to be open-minded to whatever that the, the, the artists want to do, meaning, you know, JJ Abrams and Kevin Kennedy, but it, with what they say right there, it make it just and with the title of the movie, it just makes a lot of sense. But who knows, right? Who knows? But I love what you said right there, Paul. <laughs> I just couldn't agree more with it. And as far as speculation goes, as far as the rise of Skywalker, even the stuff we originally talked about when we were talking about the trailer, that what you were saying right there was the most sense. I think <laughs> the theories I've heard is speculation that even I've had for myself. But just makes total sense there almost you know like you crack the code on what the potentially the meaning of the rise of skywalker is i mean of course we'll have to wait and see if all that comes to pass in the movie but i totally agree with how it does make sense for that to be the focal theme of the meaning of the title it would make sense as the culmination of the battle between the jedi and the sith so yeah i loved everything you said there i totally agree yeah well the one question though is then if I mean, you were talking about Paul, those themes of like, well, the dark, there's always going to be darkness. And even uh, Snoke said that, right? In The Last Shadow, is this darkness rises yeah, and light rises to meet it. But yeah. if this truly is the culmination of the battle between the Jedi and the Sith, and if, you know, and again, we thought that we were done with the Sith, but now we're finding out that Palpatine was behind this the whole time. Um, so if they if this truly is the climax and the culmination and they destroy the Sith for good, then what happens to the Skywalkers? Like, I mean, obviously there's still going to be evil in the galaxy, but is there still going to be a quote unquote dark side of the force? Um, yeah. Or I, yeah. I think, I, I, I mean, think I mean, so. it's, it still exists obviously, but I'm just, I'm wondering like just, where, they're, where they're going to go forward from there as far as like, I don't know. Just, I, just think about that idea of like a, to rise up again just right like where yeah you know when everyone thought the sith were extinct and even though you know darth bane's rule of two was carrying on in secret maybe it'll be the case like that again for like another thousand years but it'll be true this time where there are no secret sith of passing down what was learned it'll just someone someone somewhere down the line will discover the dark side and of course try to rise up again but i think the point of it at least what i hope for and kind of what I went to talk about earlier is how after episode nine, that there is a lasting peace in the galaxy for a good long while. Oh and yeah. No, that's, I, you well, know, I, that's where again, that culmination of this battle is going to be between, 
you know, we say Jedi and Sith or light and dark. That's where I think there's a little leeway there, where if it's just Jedi and Sith, there is a way, you know, for the darkness to rise again eventually. I'm just thinking it's going to exactly. be the mm-hmm. longest, yeah. you know, sleep it's had for a good long while. Yeah. And, the, the, and, and I'm right and there with you. Said, like, I want to see there be a lasting piece as well. Heck, I wanted to see there be a lasting piece after Return of the Jedi. That's why I was never yeah. huge on the e, like the EU stories with the Yuuzhan Vaughn. At least they got the, 30 years in the main canon now. <laughs> yeah. In the main canon, we've got 30 years. Um and then I felt like, oh, well, here we go again with, you know, the darkness rising up again. But then we find out, well, maybe they never actually defeated Palpatine in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And, of course, really, like, in a real world level, it's just an excuse for them to tell more stories and make more money off of it. But we enjoy the stories and eat it all up. And so, um, yeah. and so, well, and for that reason, I wouldn't expect there to be a, like, thousand year lasting piece. Um, but At least then for, again, from I, the I dark guess... side, I, I, maybe I should specify that, like, yeah. without the dark side. And you know what? I'd probably be in the minority here, but I'm one of the few, even though I haven't read all the books, but just the idea of the Yuuzhan Vong being this new threat that wasn't, you know, dark side or force related, just being something totally different, threatening the galaxy. I really like that idea. And if no! they were, if no! they were going to continue on with story, you got to do something. We want conflict. You got to do something different with a different group of characters and all this stuff. So yeah, your reaction, Paul tells me that I definitely in the minority there, <laughs> but just that. <laughs> I, I, well, the well, Vaughn itself, I mean, obviously a good story is a good story. I, I'm open to anything that people want to do with Star Wars. I mean, obviously, one of the th- and again, we're, we're I don't want to go on a tangent here, but just really fast <laughs> because it kind of it kind of goes into like what we're going to talk about hopefully in a little bit here in a second. But I, I just think that there's there's a very specific reason why they say Sith. They say Sith in here, yeah. and obviously, there's never. I, I just think with with the way the way we all know the dark side is it's not going to go anywhere. I think that's a great example of Snoke. Like Snoke, if Snoke really isn't truly a Sith and he just kind of learned his powers, whatever through Palpatine, but he didn't know it was a dark, it was a Sith. He, maybe he wasn't a true Sith. I, who knows? Right. We just yeah. don't know. Well, I guess he, yeah, no, I don't think he was a true Sith, but Again, now it's like maybe he was like, was he Palpatine's apprentice? Like, I don't know we're, we're there's going to be hopefully right. a lot of maybe we'll even find out some more about Snoke, either his origins or at least his his relationship to Palpatine in the rise of Skywalker. Um, we're going to get it hinted at. But I guess what I'm what I'm what I'm trying to emphasize is the fact that they don't say evil for a reason. Mm, and that's why they yeah. say Sith because mm-hmm. they want because they didn't know how because, again, because the sequel trilogy is such a a mess as far as planning wise. Now, I don't think it's a complete mess, complete mess, but it's unorganized. I think it's, that's obvious. And at least in my opinion. And I think with the idea of making it Jedi versus Sith specifically, it leaves it open to have more dark side people show up in the future, whether it be 10, 15, three, five years, whenever they make another sequel trilogy film or whatever, it leaves that open, and again, it gives the it gives at least some finale, some finale with the saga with, with Skywalkers. But it gives the idea that if you if that Skywalker is the true balancer, 
you could have that, you know, show up later on after Ray. You could, you know, honestly, I would love for a, a sequel movie to be done a thousand years in the future. Like that, I used to be anti that, but you know what? I would love, like you guys talk about, a peacetime, and then there's a new Skywalker that rises, and they talk about a new Skywalker rising. Like, you know, like let's say, for instance, that there's new Jedi in the in, in that order at the time, and all of a sudden these new dark side people show up, and it's not just a rule of two, it's a rule of like 20. You're right. You know, or something like that. Like it's it's not there's no rules of two anymore. It's a whole different dark side culture following or whatever. And then the writers have their way with that. And, and again, in that story, you have someone comes out of nowhere with these giant force powers and they're like, that's the Skywalker. And, and maybe the story is they got to find the, the Skywalker. We got to find the person that's going to be out there to, to help save us and protect us because the force is going to you know do that. Like, I love that idea of a chosen one. Like. So that kinda, actually that, would be pretty cool if no, I'm still not totally convinced that the rise of Skywalker is going to be like the rise of Skywalker becoming a title and being this chosen one that's going to always keep the balance. I think it's a cool theory and I think it could happen, but I'm not 100% sold on it yet just because I think there's still a lot of other possibilities open. I think we may still find out that Rey is a Skywalker somehow. I don't know. I'm just saying that there's I'm not sold on one theory or another. But if they do go that route of saying, OK, we're establishing that Skywalker is a title now that Rey is a Skywalker, not because she's like related by blood to Luke or Leia, but because she is, you know, this next generation chosen one or whatever. And that this is like a lineage that's going to carry on like again, I'm not lineage like family heritage, but like that there will always be a Skywalker to maintain the balance of the force. I would love to see a story set a hundred or 500 or a thousand years in the future. Like, I think once you establish that, you can't just leave it like, and I'm not expecting that that's what the next movie is going to be about or anything, but that's an idea that you have to come back to because that's ripe with possible, with possibilities. If that is the way that they choose to go with it. Yeah. And that's why I think when you, when they say those things, Kyle, like, like not good versus evil, but Jedi versus Sith, it makes it seem like, Hey, we can end this. And again, you could then carry on the Skywalker name and you you could go away from the trilogy even like, as far as like, you don't have to have a a new trilogy. You can just do a, a movie and then they could talk about, you know, we haven't found the Skywalker yet or whatever. I mean, I think though, I think that, I think the Skywalker lion will, will stay, will actually go on forever. I think they'll make a, a 10, 11, 12, but it's just like how they did with the force awakens or in the sequel trilogy. They won't number it, but they'll number it in the films and they'll just have a new, st- new star Wars. And it could be about the new Skywalker or whatever, where it's, it's again, the title, not the family nine, the family line, but a title. And that way a Skywalker could be anyone. You could make it, you know, male, female, you know, black, white, whatever you could, you could do whatever you want with that Skywalker name and, and title and put it in that way. It'd be, again, if you look back, it'd be kind of a cool thing how it's evolving. And if that's, and again, I'm praying that's how it evolves because that would be such a cool thing. Like in 20 years when I'm like, you know, super mega old and dying, uh, you know, <laughs> and I'll be, I can, and I can watch, you know, at one point, like 12, six, you know, whatever, uh, my math is really killing me here. 15 films of, uh, you know, uh, about the Skywalker, the Skywalker name or the Skywalkers. You know, whether it be and then how it started from a family and it turned into a name and how it evolved. The evolution of that just seems fascinating to me if you look at it like from, again, from a mythology kind of standpoint. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I just the the overemphasis of Jedi versus I, I just get, get a lot of that with the name and, and that it just it just seems 
too on the nose for me. It just, you know, it, again, watch it ends up being like Luke and Anakin being like, we're rising, Emperor Palpatine, and we're going to destroy you with our good lightning. Like, no, no. <laughs> good so lightning. Like, oh, the Skywalker sure, sure rose to the occasion on that one. We did rise, didn't we? High five. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, that That's oh, like, boy. that would be... To me, the worst idea in the world. I'll, I'll be honest. I think that'd be. I mean, not just what what I said verbatim, but like, this that in essence just seems. This doesn't make sense to me. Just really, you will totally eradicate Ray at that point. And I think right now it's and they emphasize in the trailer as much. It's Ray's story. Exactly. Luke tells her. <laughs> yeah, say, Luke yeah. said like we passed on all we know, and now this is your fight. A thousand yeah. generations live in you now. Yeah. So yeah, I I just yeah. So we're going long. We got to talk about the other stuff. So let's. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, here's. Uh, the, and then, well, the last point in the article that we haven't even talked about yet, um, or at least kind of the last main point that Tim's got highlighted here in this kind of summary. Um, it says we'll also see more of Ray and Kylo's force connection um, and just kind of explore that more and uh, we'll find out that it runs deeper than we originally thought. Again, could that be because they're related? Could it be because they're developing more of a relationship? I don't know. We'll see. Um, but then along with that, we get um, this image of the two of them standing on what kind of looks like the top of the Millennium Falcon. It's not, but it's uh, it's hard to tell. And they're, they've got their lightsabers ignited and there's like a huge wave crashing over them. So it looks like they're fighting in you know, a, a big rainstorm or something. Um, but you have to assume this is going to be on or near the Death Star wreckage, like in the water, you know, like, mm -hmm. or maybe on the surface of that. Um, and just with the waves crashing against it, that is going to be just such a cool visual. Um, and again, I don't know if the climactic, like the final climax of the movie is going to be the two of them fighting or if it's going to be the two of them teaming up to fight against Palpatine or if Kylo Ren maybe, and I hope this isn't the case, but maybe he ends up not being as important of a character as we thought and maybe Rey takes him out first and then goes on to fight Palpatine. Um, but I would really love to, we'll find out more about whatever this, this deeper connection is that it's talking about between the two of them. Um, and just see how their relationship continues to grow and evolve. And I mean, you guys know me, I'm not a Raylo shipper. Like I'm not necessarily hoping they get together or anything, but just, I love the dynamic between the two characters and the way that they're kind of like two sides of the same coin in a way. And the fact that like they're totally opposite and yet kind of can't escape each other. And I get the feeling that there's going to be more to their story in this movie than just them fighting and one of them killing the other. Like, I think either they're going to team up again or they're going to find out more about each other's backstories or there's, there's going to be more to it than just light versus dark. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just can't wait to find out what that is. You guys know, like Kylo Ren is easily my favorite character in the sequel trilogy. Oh, um, yeah. So I really too, hope that, yeah. and here's the, and I've said this before, if, even if episode nine ends up being a disappointment, and I end up having like a not super positive opinion on like the story trajectory of the sequel trilogy as a whole. Like the one absolutely positive thing that I will always take away from it 
Actually, there's two things. One is Kylo Ren. The other is Poe Dameron's X-Wing. Um, mostly just because I get to fly it around in Battlefront and destroy people. Uh, but mainly <laughs> Kylo Ren. And obviously, I'm not saying those are the only two good things about the, about the sequel trilogy. I mean, I like the movies. You guys know. Um, I would generally consider myself a sequel trilogy fan. I'm super excited for Episode Nine. Um, but uh, yeah, I am definitely... Um, a Kylo Ren fan. In fact, I'm going to uh, get back in my Kylo Ren costume and go off to Phoenix Fan Fusion tomorrow. Um, so, boy. yeah, that'll be fun. But, um, yeah, I'm really hoping that they've got some cool stuff in store for him in this movie. Yeah, this is actually my favorite piece from the article describing Ray and Kylo, how, you know, the connection they had with the Force and that, you know, it runs deeper than we originally thought. That got me really excited reading that. You know, J.J., hinted at that during celebration after the trailer, but the fact that it's getting emphasized more just has me real excited. Going back to that point we've been talking about of characters having significance uh, for Rey and as far as her importance in her role in the galaxy at this time. And maybe it is they're going to end up being related. Maybe it's not, but I just think, or I'm just really happy that, you know, it looks like they're really making a point to show the importance that the force is chosen these two characters for a reason to be at the forefront of this conflict at, at that point in time in the galaxy. And they're, they're special. And maybe this, the reason is because we're talking about balancing of the force and the culmination to finally end the battle of Jedi versus Sith. Maybe it is going to take a light side user and a dark side user to finally defeat Palpatine. And as you described <laughs> them kind of two sides mm. of the same coin, and that's what it's going to take to the, fully defeat the Sith once and for all. So maybe they will start off, you know, with another lightsaber duel and then they will end up working together to defeat Palpatine because that's the only way and Kylo would find out that, you know, he's been duped this whole time or been, he's thinks he's the supreme leader of the galaxy. He rules the first order. He's in control. But then he comes to find out that he's just been another puppet of Palpatine. I'm not sure how well that's going to sit with him once he finds that out. So maybe that will be his reasoning for it. I don't know, but I just like the idea that their connection, we're going to learn more about it. They're going to have their significance in their role to play in this point of the galaxy. I just can't wait to see that all unfold. I just reading that really made me excited that that is something JJ really wants to dive deeper into. And I can't wait to see it all play out. And that image. Yeah, I mean, I got to be honest at first when I saw it. I, part of me thought, mm, that's really cool, but I don't know if that's actually going to be in the movie because I go back to that first Vanity Fair article on The Phantom Menace where we got that awesome shot of Obi-Wan and Darth Maul about to face off with a lightsaber duel on Tatooine. And that was just a picture taken for the magazine specifically. So I thought, is that something we're going to, they're doing again at this time? But then we saw that behind the scene video they posted on their site as well that actually showed them filming Ray in this location with her lightsaber and you see like the rain and the water coming down. So it is something they're definitely going to film. And the, well, the, here's the thing though. They're definitely going to film them in this location, but I'm looking at just the staging of the characters. I mean, it definitely looks like they're about to clash. Like, you know, they're having a lightsaber duel, but like they don't have their sabers crossed. Like, See, uh, and, yeah, what if and that's it's what, the, what would, if it's the mm-hmm. two of them and they're fighting against something or someone else that we can't see? It, 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 yeah, and that's, no, that's yeah, totally that's, possible. And that's what I was going to go with too. If you look, it doesn't look like he's about to whack. They're not looking directly at each other, but they they are definitely posing for like to guard each other. 
Like, look at Ray. She's like, they're in like kind of defensive positions if you look at it. And they're not looking at each other. They're looking yeah. kind of like other directions. Yeah, and especially Kylo looks like, if you follow his eyeline, he does look like he's looking past Ray. But at the same yeah. time, this could also just be you know, something that was staged for the magazine shoot just to look dramatic. Exactly. So I'm trying not to read too much into it, but I definitely but, think it could be like, obviously you look at it and think, Oh, they're fighting. But then I'm like, well, they might not be though. Well, there's also, if you, you know, people on Twitter are way, I, I've actually haven't watched that video all the way through. Really? The they've released. I'm trying to stay away from as much. I mean, I'm going to watch the trailers, like the, the next trailer and that's it. Like I'm done. I'm not watching any more after that. And what I, so I just kind of, you know, people, you know, every once in a while people, people will post things here or there. What's, what's interesting is that there's a scene in that little video they posted that they, people have made, kind of took a still shot. It shows Ray during it's filming of a scene. Cause she's, you know, they have the water kind of going up around her cause it looks all rusted and all the stuff that she's on is all rusted. And it's a death star. It's obviously the death star. And she's looking up. And like, and like, not like up, like kind of a little bit, like she's looking completely up, like at something. And I'm like, what if something's, I wonder if the spirit uh, or Palpatine is kind of floating around and attacking them. And I think that's what's going on here. If this is the truly the end of the movie, this could be Ray and Kylo Ren, as you said, Tim, coming together and taking on Palpatine once and for all. And kind of go, that's kind of what I'm going with. Cause at least with this picture specifically, kind of what you said, Kyle, you can't get too hyped up on it. But if you look at that pic, that little, the little snippet they show you, that would make sense. And it would make sense if you look at this, the way like they're looking at different directions, like almost like they're covering each other's backs kind of a thing. Like let's, you know, what's coming at us. So what I think is that there is this could be the you know the end of the movie where you see the culmination of good good and evil taking on the Sith again it's not it's not necessarily good versus evil but it's Jedi versus Sith and maybe Kylo Flying gets redeemed and he redeems himself and he's fighting alongside one of the things that kind of going back to my kind of the, I hate to go back to my theory is as going back what you said Tim about you don't want to get too excited when it talks about expanding on the relationship because it's obviously they're, they're telling us right here. There's more to it than what just we're both force users. There's something mm -hmm. more to it. And again, go back to what Snoke says, you know, darkness rises and light to meet it. And it, obviously there's a connection between them. And if there isn't a blood connection, there's a force connection between them. That's binding them together. That's not, I don't think it's an intimate like love relationship, but I, what I think it is, it could be them cousins by the force. Again, if she is the, ch she obviously is a chosen one. Like that's pretty obvious that she is. If she's a true blue, like next Anakin, I just hope they actually say that. Cause then that, that really gives it even like the, it goes from like a 60, a 60% significance. to like 100% on the money, like a big freaking deal. And so what I kind of think is what if that's their connection? And what if the Skywalker, Again, going forward is like whoever is a chosen one of that time, if they are to have offspring, they are as powerful as that. And therefore they become more of a threat because they are so powerful, but they're not, they don't have as much of a quote unquote purpose, if you will. Right. Like there is obviously the twins, Luke and Leia, Luke, as we know, didn't have any kids as far as we know. 
And Leia did. And he ends up being like extremely powerful. And then therefore this new person comes up and rises to meet them. So what exactly is that? Like, maybe that's what their connection is there. I've always said, I love the idea of, of Ray being a, a true blue, like legitimate chosen one from like birth of a virgin birth, like Anakin, because that would make her by essence, a cousin of the Skywalkers. Yeah. And so that would it would make sense to have that connection. They don't have to be brother and sister, but or cousins, but they are loosely like cousins through the force because of their, you know, again, their their destinies and what they represent. So that's what's really fascinating about what they're saying. They're hinting that there is a connection. There's something more to them. It's not love. I don't I'd be very shocked that that is. Sorry, Raylo fans. But if it's either that they have that there's that chosen one connection. Or they are literally blood connected, which I would love that too. But I'm not putting any stock in that either. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I am either. But, um, well, I'm. I'm not betting on it. But like I said, it's not off the table either. Um, there's That's just true. Yeah. so many different possibilities of like where they could take their relationship to the next level. But like I said, it's definitely not going to be just black and white, cut and dry. Like, oh, you're bad now. I'm going to fight you. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more depth and a lot more layers to it. And it's probably going to end up being my favorite part of the movie. Although Palpatine could overshadow that. We don't know. Um, but and lots of exciting up, stuff here. If this ends up being the climactic battle, I got to say, I love the setting that's chosen for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was hoping yeah. for something significant and epic. And this looks to be it on the remains of the Death Star with this big storms and water everywhere. Something we haven't seen too much in a lightsaber battle and duel. I mean, we got, of course, there's Camino, but that wasn't much of a lightsaber duel or battle. But you yeah, know, that was just Obi Wan versus Django. Um, but we've never had an actual lightsaber duel there, aside from in yeah. the Clone Wars. But I mean, this could be like the opposite of Mustafar. <laughs> yeah, of like heat and lava, you got cold and water, and I think that could be really, really cool visually, and not to mention all the cool thematic stuff that we were just talking about and what it can mean for the galaxy and these characters. So, yeah, this looks like to be a really cool epic final battle that indeed is what it is yeah definitely um and then just to wrap up here i mean there's a few other images in the article that we didn't really talk about because they didn't give us a whole lot of information to go along with it um but we've got an image of luke and r2 um now this is luke in the flesh and not force ghost but this is definitely <laughs> one of those things that i'm taking with a grain of salt because i'm like this is probably just opposed like magazine photo in fact there's like something burning behind him and at first i thought oh is this just another shot from like the flashback to um when his jedi temple is burning except then i realized oh no this is old luke and he's in like his same robes from like the end of um the force awakens so maybe this is supposed to be back to like when he's burning the tree on octo except r2 wasn't there for that um but again, as of right now, like I would love nothing more than for them to find a way to bring Luke Skywalker back like in the flesh in this movie and maybe have him like fight Palpatine while Rey is fighting Kylo or something like that. Um, but I'm not expecting that to happen, especially like we said with just the dialogue that's in the trailer of him basically passing the torch to Rey and saying, this is your fight now. Um, so as of now, I'm taking this as just like a staged magazine shot photo but if this is something that actually ends up being in the movie i will be thrilled and i can't wait to see how they do it um and then we've got a shot of uh poe and chewy and lando in the cockpit of the falcon um 
and a shot of C-3PO with some people holding a shade umbrella over him in the desert of, uh, um, what do we call it? It's called Pasana, um, yeah. with 3PO and BB-8. Um, and then just a behind the scenes shot of them filming Ray out in the desert as well. So, um, you know, it's a few more cool shots there. I actually, I really like the shot of, uh, just seeing, um, Poe and, uh, Chewie and Lando and the Falcon together along with BB-8 and Dio, who's the new droid that I don't know if anybody's super excited about, but, um, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even notice he was there until I like read the caption of the article. He like this blends in as part of the Falcon. <laughs> yeah. It looks that's like, what, that's what happens. You're a lampshade. Dude. Yeah. I was going to say he looks like a lamp. Oh, poor Dio. Um, well, he ends up being the best character in the movie. I know, he right? He defeats Palpatine. <laughs> oh, please, no. <laughs> He's so small that, you know, nobody notices him, and he ends up, like, tripping somebody, and they fall down a shaft or something. <laughs> Is this going to be another Ant-Man versus Thanos thing? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyway, good time to transition, right? <laughs> um. Well, yeah, so, and obviously, if you haven't seen all these images, check them out for yourself. There's also that video that we were talking about that's got a little bit behind-the-scenes footage, so um, definitely cool to get all this new stuff to uh, to look at and speculate about for The Rise of Skywalker. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about the future of Star Wars films beyond The Rise of Skywalker. Um and we knew that they were planning to take a little bit of a break after this one. So we were assuming like we're not getting a Star Wars film in theaters in 2020. But we were thinking maybe 2021 would be the next one. Um, but Disney recently uh, announced release dates for a whole bunch of their future films, um, including Star Wars, as well as like Marvel and Avatar and uh, a bunch of that stuff. Um but we now have the official uh, release dates for the next three Star Wars films, and that's going to be December 16th, 2022, um, and then December 20th of 2024, and December 18th of 2026. Um, and uh, then shortly thereafter, uh, Bob Iger actually confirmed that the next movie, um, because there was some debate as to, like, oh, is this going to be the Benioff and Weiss movies, or is it going to be Ryan Johnson's trilogy? Um, and he confirmed that the next uh, Star Wars film to be released will be coming from the Game of Thrones showrunners David Benioff and D.B. Weiss. Um, now, we could go off on a whole other tangent about all the the drama surrounding the Game of Thrones finale and how suddenly there's a bunch of people that are not excited for them to be involved in Star Wars. Oh I am still very oh. excited for them to be involved in Star Wars. I think they're going to do a great here. job with it. Um they're not having to adapt something that somebody else started and then come up with an ending to it by themselves. Um, and I, for one, liked the Game of Thrones finale. We, we're not going to turn this into a whole Game of Thrones podcast, but it's not like, oh, I hated it, but I guess I'm still excited for them to do Star Wars. Like, I know the last season wasn't the greatest and it had some issues, but I think they did a good job overall given what they had to work with and what they had to accomplish in trimming this thing down and wrapping the whole thing up. Um... But as far as them working on Star Wars, I'm still very excited um, to see what they come up with. Now, as to, you know, because we we only have the release dates for th uh, the next three Star Wars films, like I said, it's 2022, 24, and 26. And we know from previous comments that they've made and stuff that, like, they're not going to try to be pushing out 
uh, a Star Wars movie every year or, you know, do multiple movies a year. So I'm assuming these are the only Star Wars movies that we're going to be getting um, within the next few years. Um, and obviously there'll be more after that. But I'm not like I'm not expecting that they're going to suddenly announce, you know, more new release dates like, oh, and then there's also going to be a whole nother new trilogy. And that's going to be starting in 2021 or 2023 or something like that. Um, so that's got everybody wondering, uh, you know, where is when slash where is the Ryan Johnson trilogy coming? Um, is that just going to be years from now after Benioff and Weiss are done with their stuff or are they actually collaborating on it together and are Benioff and Weiss like writing and producing and is Ryan Johnson directing or has he just fallen off the map even though he's recently said on Twitter that no he still is developing Star Wars um just leaves a lot of open-ended questions um as far as like what we're getting when but we know that these are the release dates. We know that Benioff and Weiss are working on these movies. And before we get into all the speculation and, you know, ramifications of what this potentially means, just to add additional details in there about potential upcoming Star Wars projects, we had talked about the fact that there was, you know, a sort of an unconfirmed rumor um, that there was a Knights of the Old Republic movie in the works. Um, and Kathleen Kennedy did confirm at Celebration that they're working on something related to that project or within that timeline. Um, but then there was the report that, you know, those movies were going to go into production later this year or something like that. And that those would maybe be the next star Wars movies coming out, which could still be the case if Benioff and Weiss are doing old Republic, but there was an article or a, a, a rumor today from Buzzfeed, which I have to say right off the bat, like I know Buzzfeed is a big news source, but since when have they ever been like a source for breaking Star Wars news? So I was taking this with a huge grain of salt. I was like, wait, since when are you like a reputable source for Star Wars leaks? Um, but I don't know. This seems to be picking up a lot of traction and people are spreading this around. Um, and there's <clears throat> sort of an unconfirmed report from them that there's a movie based on Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic um, currently being written by Laeta Caligritis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing her name right, but um, apparently she is, um, I guess, a producer on the new Avatar movies, and she's also written a lot of movies, including Shutter Island and uh, Alita Battle Angel. So I guess it would kind of make sense that she's maybe now been brought into the Disney fold if she's working with James Cameron and he's now doing Avatar for Disney instead of Fox and whatnot. Um so I'm not super familiar with her work. Um, again, this is not confirmed uh, by Lucasfilm or anything, but I find this interesting because we had speculated that, oh, it would be perfect if Benioff and Weiss were doing a movie set in the Old Republic era. Um, but we know that they're writing their trilogy, and so now the rumor that she is writing this movie instead of them um, and also... You know, if she's writing a script for this now, you would assume that this is a project that's coming out fairly soon, like that this might be the next movie. Um, but it's like if Benioff and Weiss are working on something completely different and that's their movie coming out in 2022, then when is this KOTOR movie coming out or is it something that's being developed for the streaming service or is this all a bunch of just people blowing smoke and there's nothing substantial to this? I don't know. It's a little bit confusing. It's kind of a puzzle that we got to piece together. So I don't know. What are you guys thoughts on this? Yeah, I know you got a lot you want to say, Paul. So I'll keep yeah, my, go ahead, Tim. I'll keep go ahead. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, first off, I was just glad to finally get you know 
some confirmed release dates for when the future of Star Wars in cinema is going to continue. We knew there was going to be a break after the rise of Skywalker. And I do think a three-year gap is a good enough time. It's what we've been used to before this new era of Star Wars began, three years before each film in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy era. So I think that's a good enough time to hopefully Rise of Skywalker meets most fans' expectations, gets everyone excited and happy with the way things ended and really can't wait for the next installment. And then three years would just up that anticipation more and more. But, you know, the big question is, what are these movies going to be? And then we got the announcement that uh, Benioff and Weiss movie is going to be a first in 2022. And we know they're doing a series of films, but it still begs the question, are these three movies in 2022, 2024, and 2026, are those all Benioff and Weiss's? Or is the first one going to be theirs? And then another one's going to be you know, Ryan Johnson's maybe, or now this new Knights of the Old Republic movie. I don't know, but we did get a, at first we got a good sense of what the possibilities could be. Either Ryan Johnson's or Benioff and Weiss's, you know, either alternating or focusing on one first. And then the other, then Ryan Johnson's trilogy comes after these three. So that was kind of the, few things that were possibilities I had going in my head of what can be going on. But then the Knights of the Republic thing came out yesterday. And like you said, Kyle, throwing that C-3PO uh, line in from Attack of the Clones, I'm so confused <laughs> as far as what, what this could mean for these future films because all signs were pointing to the Benioff and Weiss movies being Knights of the Old Republic. And, you know, maybe as we talked about, that was something too obvious and they wanted to try something a little different and go out of, you know, the norm as far as what they're used to doing and doing something completely different. I can understand that. But we've heard rumors. Kathleen Kennedy has even said that Knights of the Old Republic is something they've discussed. There's just a lot of signs pointing to this. These new movies or the first movie in 2022 was going to be Knights of the Old Republic. But now we got this report about, you know, the new writer coming on to do the script for the Knights of the Republic. And where does that fit in? Is it one of these movies? Are Benny and wife just Benny off and wife just producing? And now uh, they got a writer to write the script for the first Knights of the Old Republic movie. Or is it, in fact, something totally different, which is what the BuzzFeed article was kind of implying that this is separate from Benny off and Weiss and Ryan Johnson's project? And just how far down the line would it be, though? It makes they even said that. She was pretty close to finishing the script, so it would make you believe that it wouldn't be on the shelf for so long that it would be after 2026 or, you know, after Ryan Johnson's film, if that happens. So it just raises a bunch of questions. But the one thing I know for sure, at some point, we're getting a Knights of the Old Republic movie. There's just too many signs pointing that way for all the reasons I've just said. And we just keep hearing more and more about it. It's just a matter of when it's coming and who actually is doing the project. So just time will tell, but um, we know when we're getting our first movie for sure, 2022, we don't know what it is yet. And I think definitely down the line, we'll be seeing the words Knights of the Old Republic or the Old Republic on movie screens at some point. It's just a matter of when, but I think you said it best, Kyle. It's like a puzzle we got to try to <laughs> piece together uh, as far as finding out what the course of these new movies are going to be after the rise of Skywalker. We know when they're coming, but we just don't know exactly what they're going to be just yet. So it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds in the years to come. I love the saying, and I've said it a lot, when there's smoke, there's fire. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I even used it yesterday in a tweet. <laughs> yeah, and it, it, it's obviously not something I came up with very obviously, but it's, but it's true. 
for the most part. Now, the reason why it's always usually true is because the the big the amount of fire that's in there that's causing the smoke remains to be seen. We don't know how accurate because obviously smoke can mean you know the, the house the whole thing's burning down or it had, it had just started. It's hard to tell with, with through the smoke. It's only through the flames we can really see the damage or whatever, right? So you get what I'm saying. So we don't really know what's going on with this, but there's a lot there's a lot of changes going on with with Lucasfilm as far as what's going on with Star Wars filmmaking. And obviously there again, I, I listened to podcasts. I totally missed uh, Kathleen Kennedy saying this, but she admitted and I had no again being at celebration, I had missed this completely, but she admitted that solo coming out in May, six months after The Last Jedi, was a legitimate tryout for two Star Wars films a year. Mm-hmm. I had and I, I I mean it, it was well, yeah, we talked about that I, on the last episode, didn't we? I don't Remember, I don't, maybe if we did, I don't, I just, maybe it was just the one that Tim and I did, but I remember talking about that on the show. It might've been the one you guys just did because I don't, I never, I, I never heard it. There was a lot of stuff going back on the way, uh, on the, our ride back from celebration that I had totally had missed. And part of it was also the Emperor Palpatine was always supposed to be the bad guy thing that I totally missed that because I, you know, being a celebration, I was just, you know, off in Star Wars land, but I wasn't on Twitter re- researching what JJ and Kathleen were saying because I figured if there was something important, I would someone like you <clears throat> guys would <clears throat> tell me. But yeah, yeah. well, so. yeah, and some of that stuff didn't come out till like the day after celebration, anyways. And that's true. You know what? That's a gr- you know what? That's a great point because I, that was yeah, you're right. Because the Knights of the Old Republic thing was the same thing, right? Yeah, because, that came out the day after. Well, yeah. Yeah, and that was smart by MTV. That was extremely smart because they waited. So with Kathleen Kennedy saying and admitting that Solo was a tryout for you know two films a year, it was it was fascinating because they started building up stockpiling directors and and everything. Right? We know there was a the rumor. I mean, wasn't it Variety that reported that Obi Wan movie movie was going to be made? I mean, that was in in, in being production and. Mm-hmm. There was Ryan Johnson's trilogy out of before the last shot even came out. And then, you know, four months later, the Biddy and Weiss thing gets announced. And so oh, I will say it, just to jump in here real quick, speaking of Obi-Wan um, and I forget where th- this maybe was on a call with Bob Iger or something, but there was the a third, report from third, somewhere saying series? that, wait, what? The third, uh, the third Disney Plus series. Yeah, he was saying that he expected that there might be one more Disney Plus Star Wars series before the next movie yeah. comes out because we know that we've got the Mandalorian this year, the Cassian series, which is presumably coming next year, and then he was saying that there, there, the, there's a possibility of at least one more Star Wars series coming before the next movie in theaters in 2022. So maybe somebody got their story mixed up and maybe Knights of the Old Republic is coming as a, yeah. a series to the streaming service instead of as a movie, which wow. I would be totally fine with. I think it may even work better. But I also think that with the number of rumors we've heard surrounding that and all the different people they've got working on Star Wars projects right now and yet the the very limited kind of number of release windows that they have, um, 
maybe this is going to be like a multi-year project. Like maybe it's not going to be just one trilogy that's like adapting the video game or whatever, but maybe they're going back to that era and telling a bunch of different stories that are going to sort of flesh out this old Republic era of the Star Wars universe. And maybe we'll get one that's like a Darth Revan story or a Darth Bane story or just multiple different stories about new characters, but all set, you know, thousands of years before the, the Skywalker saga. But what I, you're touching on something that I think is what we need to think about because what is, what is the biggest thing in pop culture right now? So think about what is, what is the biggest thing in besides Star Wars and pop culture? It's Marvel. Yeah. Marvel, the MCU is the king. What is working? I mean, for I would dare say maybe even bigger than Star Wars right now, especially if you look at the box office numbers. No, no, it's, it, I would say as of right now, popularity, Marvel is number one. I mean, I, I and, and I, everyone knows who listen to the show probably know that I'm a giant Marvel fan and I've been a Marvel fan since the beginning. And, you know, I have podcasts about Marvel for years. So, yeah, it's it's my jam. So I, I don't I don't and I love Star Wars. They, I love them both equally. They both go back and forth between who's number one in my heart because I love them both equally. And it just depends on what's kind of my jam at the time. But I love Star Wars and Marvel more like they're my favorite like things I grew up on. Marvel's number one. What I think what they're trying and maybe what the Rise of Skywalker will be is ending the idea of the trilogy of Star Wars trilogy for now, just for now. Okay. Now hear me out. I know they put out three films, but hear me out. I have a, I have a sinking suspicion that those three films may or may not be interconnected. You never know. It really depends on how successful the Benioff and Weiss stuff is. We all know it's not been confirmed to be a trilogy. It says a series of films. Now mm-hmm. we know in the press release is we're going by what they're saying. It's a series of films. And you're thinking, okay, it's not necessarily a quote unquote trilogy. Okay. So what we don't know what that means. We do know there is a theme. There is a theme that Benioff and Weiss are going with if it's a series of films. Would you not say that's accurate? Kyle? Well, yeah, because presumably, I mean, if, yeah, if they're doing a series of films, then it's going to be a, at least my interpretation of that is it's a continuous story, just not necessarily exactly. told over three, you know, they're not limiting themselves yeah. to a trilogy. Exactly. It could be a, I mean, it could be two movies. It could be four. It could be, you know, five, five whatever. Yeah. So it's, again, you're not limiting yourself to only three movies and you have to have it done and wrap it up and, you know, whatever. And that's a traditional thing that in films that Star Wars kind of started, but regardless. So when you think of that, you also think of the idea of the other projects they're, they're developing, the Ryan Johnson stuff, whatever. And again, like I, I've gone on record, I'm pretty sure Ryan Johnson didn't have an idea. I think he just got signed on because they all loved working with Ryan Johnson. They figured that, you know, he probably had some loose idea. Like, oh, I got some ideas we could kick around, whatever. Yeah, we could do this, blah, blah, blah. I don't think there's a dead set inspiration like Mandalorian, John Favreau kind of idea that Ryan Johnson had to tell. Yeah, no, I don't think he came to them and like pitched a story and said, hey, let's exactly. do this. No, it was like, hey, we like working with you. Let's do some more exactly. movies. Exactly. So there, we don't know. So we'll just put Ryan Johnson out. And I'm not, and again, I'm not trying to, I told you so, because I have no idea what's going on. What I'm saying is the Benioff and Weiss film that Bob Iger has gone out and said that they're going first is what is is whatever. We don't know what happens after that because if it's not if it is not successful, they're not making more. Period. 
Now, the one thing I would say I'd poke holes in your in your in, in your argument a little bit for a second, Kyle. But I'm gonna get I'm gonna support you back right back though. So just bear with me. Is that if they are doing a Knights of Old Republic like kind of like a grand broader spectrum, and their Benioff and wife, the Benioff and wife, uh, wife wise film fail, then you automatically invest in the wrong thing. You have all these different things you invested in, and you're kind of like, oh crap, we're we're kind of holding the bag for of crap, essentially, you know, because like we don't you know no one really cares about this movie. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that's the danger of putting your eggs in one basket, kind of like a DC comics kind of or DC films kind of did. And they kind of backfired on them. They put their eggs in all in one basket. Didn't work. They went, you know, it kept whatever. It remains to be seen. I like DC films, but you know what I'm saying? It wasn't as commercially successful. And they kind of married themselves to one idea. And, and by doing that, they kind of. They hurt themselves and they're kind of still kind of getting out of that that problem. Now, what I like what you're saying is, and I bring it reason I bring up Marvel is that it does the idea that you don't have to do trilogy films. And what if they wanted to do a grand scope bigger than what anyone's ever done and what Marvel is starting to do finally a more interconnective medium? That Star Wars is already kind of doing, but Marvel's doing it on an even grander scale now as far as the film and TV series with the new Disney Plus series being connected to the uh, films. Now, we all know The Mandalorian is canon, The Rebels is canon, Clone Wars is canon, the comic, all that stuff is great. I love that about Star Wars. What I wonder, though, is more specifically like what you were talking about, and I love this idea, and this is you've nailed on something that I think there's very good possibility is that what if, and this is something they toyed with the Dark um, the dark Tower uh, series a long time ago. Uh, years ago, uh, Ron Howard was producing, and, their, and HBO and other studios, I forgot the specifics, but you could probably read about it online somewhere, and I'm, and I'm probably going to butcher it a little bit, but bear with me. Kind of like what they're doing now with Marvel, and they tried to do back in 2005, 2006-ish, eight kind of area, where... They wanted to do a film and then do um, kind of like a sequel or whatever, kind of filling in the gaps on HBO TV series and then have like kind of like a Marvel thing where the film's like the big climax part, whereas the TV series would be kind of like the smaller, you know, character building kind of moments. Mm -hmm. And And I mean, I think other franchises have tried to do that, too, over the years, just obviously on a much smaller scale and like much less successfully than Marvel has done. Right, right. So what I'm saying is, is that, well, Marvel's actually doing that now with the Falcon and Winter Soldier series and the Scarlet right. Witch series, Loki series. Like, that is what they're going to be doing, which is awesome. Obviously, with the, with the Netflix stuff, it's it was loosely connected. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is arguably and unarguably loosely connected. It's kind of kind of a little bit of a it's a little more connected than this Netflix stuff, but it's 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 kind of a mess, right? Whereas the Disney Plus shows are legitimately connected and like the Mandalorian obviously and, and all that stuff. What I'm wondering is if they are they with this announcement of this film, remember this the lady who's writing it, she's she's a creator of Altered Carbon on Netflix. That's oh really? She just yeah, so she's just came off a huge like, and again, I'm not an older. I wa- I tried to watch it, not my thing. Now, the same. This is the same lady who wrote uh, Shutter Island, which is a great movie by Martin Scorsese. Go watch it; it's fantastic. She also wrote a bonkers movie called Night Watch. If you want to see a Russian uh, film that is just completely insane 
and about good versus evil. And you're just like, what is going on? And it's extremely fascinating to watch and entertaining. Watch Night Watch. There's a sequel called Day Watch. I don't think she wrote, but she wrote Night Watch. It's insane. Like, watch it. It's based off a of, loosely based off of a, of a book or a, like a Russian sci-fi book. But she wrote the movie and it's bonkers. And it made me even more intrigued that this lady could tackle Star Wars. So all that being said, you might be right. And I think what but at the same time, you know, you got, I also started thinking, what if what if the Knights of the Old Republic or the, or the KOTOR or whatever isn't what Benioff and Weiss are doing? But then I remembered but they're doing a series of films. What if this, and I, I, I tend, I know they said they were going to write the story, but they got so much backlash the last couple of years. And there's so much, you know, demand for more representation in star Wars, as far as creative, you know, was as far as like went more women writers and directors, et cetera, which again, those are all things that need to happen. I start to wonder guys, if, what if this, what if the Benioff and Benioff and Weiss, what did they do the last 10 years? Basically they produced, the biggest show on television and they wrote and directed a bunch of episodes, but what if they're overseeing, overseeing like not just a film, but a, a kind of a collective Knights of the Old Republic, like, Hey, you know what? We're going to develop a series of films, you know, but let's say they don't, they don't have to, they're, they're in charge, right? They're the ones in charge of the story. We all know if you're a lot of times, if you're the producers, you're the ones in charge. Now, George Lucas, I think they're going to be like more, they could be more like a George Lucas on the original trilogy producers where they're the ones, in, they're the ones developing the story. They're the ones in charge of the story. They're not writing the, they're not doing the, the heavy lifting, if you will. They're not going to do the, the, you know, what does he say here or she say there, or what happens here? They're going to kind of develop that, but they're going to hire people to write those things for them, to develop that for them. But they're going to tell them what needs to happen. And while they're going to be developing the the looks and the settings and whatever, like they're going to be doing all that while other people like the writers and the directors will be doing all that heavy lifting as they develop the series of films and whatnot. Because obviously these guys probably have multiple projects in the works besides even just Star Wars. Star Wars is probably their main, their main gig. But as I said, I'm starting to wonder if I don't think it's a coincidence that this lady is writing a, a Knights of the Republic story and it got out. I, I, if I'm a betting man, I think this could be Benioff and Weiss's thing still. And I think they could be the ones saying, you know, what, like, Hey, we love you as a writer, write this. This is what we want to do. Will you please write the story and we'll kind of go from there. And again, they want to give more representation possibly to, you know, in, in, in Hollywood and, and have more of a female voice. What I, I don't know, but that could be what they're doing because there was so much of a backlash on game of Thrones. And this lady obviously is a great writer because she wrote Night Watch, Shutter Island, and I haven't seen Alita Battle Angel, but a lot of people love that movie that you know didn't didn't expect to like it. And they loved it. Mm -hmm. She also wrote Terminator Genesis, which a lot of people didn't like, but regardless, you know, whatever. But a lot of the things she wrote that I'm interested interested in. So I just I just have to think that right now, and this is where I, I kind of referenced this in the beginning of the, of the of the show. I'm a little worried about Star Wars where they're at as far as direction, because it just seems like they're kind of going all over the place, and there's not really a clear direction. Now, what you touched on, I'll be done. I'm really sorry. One last thing, what I, you touched on, Kyle, was perfect. 
if they're going down a theme of series, like a TV series connected to a movie series, like the Benioff and Weiss, and she's connected with that with her altered carbon backs, you know, history now with Netflix and Benioff and Weiss's history with Game of Thrones, and they're developing a grand scope. And maybe Ryan Johnson's involved too, or they're going to have a giant, like, collective Marvel thing where it's like ancient Jedi versus Sith thing, then we're in for a real treat. And I love that idea, but I just don't know because if, if that first film fails and all the work they just did, it just evaporates. So I kind of tend to, I'm right now a betting man. If I had to bet money on it, I would say Benny and Weiss and her are teaming up to do this. That's the next movie because Right now, they had to be focused on the next film in hand. And if, if it's gotten as far as in script stage, as far as this far, and it's being leaked out, then I think that's what's going on. That's the movie that, that's the movie that's being made next is this Knights of the Old Republic film. She's writing it. The Benioff and Weiss are in charge of it, but they're not writing it anymore. But that's – I could be wrong. That's just my two cents on this right now. Yeah, well, and I mean, there's still a number of other possibilities. She could have maybe been hired just to write a draft of the script for them to then work from. Exactly. Um, exactly. Or they could be, they could still be writing it. They could maybe be writing more of like an outline for the entire trilogy or series, series. or whatever. Yeah, um, exactly. Or again, I mean, they could be writing their own movie, but maybe they're all within the same series or something. Because like I said, the old Republic era in Star Wars is so vast that it's like like i honestly as much as i love the video games i don't necessarily want them to do a direct adaptation of the game especially with the way that Absolutely. we've already gotten little hints of things in the canon especially like in rebels with like the stuff on malachor and the history of the dark saber and the mandalorians against the jedi and all that kind of stuff like there's stuff that very much takes inspiration from and kind of hints at stuff in the Knights of the Old Republic games, especially uh, the location of Malachor itself, but then even the idea that there was like an ancient war between the Jedi and the Mandalorians and stuff like that. Um, there's a lot of that that is kind of tied into, or there's there's a lot of stuff in the current canon that just kind of hints at stuff that is like sort of related to stuff that's in the EU and that's in the video games and stuff like that. Um, but at the same time, I like, I don't want to see them try to do a direct adaptation of that game story and then maybe sort of change things to fit their narrative. Like, I almost want, like, a new... Like, give me Disney's interpretation of Knights of the Old Republic and of Revan and, and stuff like that. Like, tell it a new way. And, yeah. if, and if it doesn't work and if we don't like it, we can always go back and play the games. Because um, I still want to see those characters in the game to be part of the main canon like Revan or Malak or Bastila, like those characters who, you know, become popular star Wars characters in their own right to be brought into the main canon. If they are going to do a Knights of the old Republic movie, I mean, you're right. There's it's a vast era that they could pick and choose from where they, for what stories they want to tell. But at some point I would like for those already popular characters to be brought into the main canon and have their time to shine in these new stories as well. But I agree and, where, and that's you can't true have it be too. an like, exact adaption of it, but just kind of bring those core elements and backstories to their characters that we know from the games, but tell it in a new way. Yeah, yeah, and I definitely would love to see a lot of those characters too, like Bastila for sure. I mean, I could watch a whole spinoff movie just about HK-47. Um, <laughs> there's another one. And yeah. <laughs> be thoroughly entertained the entire time. But what I'm getting at is just because there's so much lore in that timeline like there's there's so many more stories they could tell beyond 
just the story of the game. And so you could have yeah. Benioff and Weiss do maybe movies that are more of a direct adaptation of the game. And then you could have Ryan Johnson go back and do a trilogy that goes even further back and explores, you know, the ancient Jedi and how they first discovered the force and like the origins of the Jedi and the Sith and stuff like that. Um, and again, I mean, we've talked, I keep bringing this up too, but Darth Bane is another thing that people want to see. And that's, what um, I'm dying and that's another <laughs> character that, you know, would make for a really cool adaptation. And then of course there's all the stuff in the time period of like the old Republic video games. And there's like, even before Revan and Malik, there's the Mandalorian wars and you could tie in, or even have that maybe tie into the Mandalorian TV series that we're getting like, and obviously not like can not have the two series be like a sequel or anything. Cause it's going to be a time gap of like 4,000 years, but maybe drop some little hints of Mandalorian history in the Mandalorian and then go and flesh those out in the old Republic era stuff. Um, and so that's why I've been saying, like, I think they could do so much more in that era than just a trilogy of movies that are adapting the video game. Um, and that's why maybe all these different kind of conflicting reports that we're hearing, I mean, they're not really conflicting, but it's like, okay, well, Benioff and Weiss are working on stuff, but also Ryan Johnson's working on stuff. And also we got this other woman that's, uh, you know, writing this, supposedly writing a Knights of the Old Republic movie, um, that maybe these projects are all interconnected somehow, or maybe they're just working on a lot of different things in the same time period that we're all going to get to see eventually. And I think that could be really exciting because like I said, there's plenty of story potential there for multiple trilogies and multiple series of, of movies that just, you know, flesh out different stories in that time period. Um, but then as far as the release dates, the one other thing that we didn't really mention, and this had me a little bit worried, um, just as a Star Wars fan and somebody who wants to, you know, be getting a lot of Star Wars content. And you mentioned earlier, Tim, like we're used to waiting three years in between movies from back, like when the originals and the prequels came out. Um, and so it's not like I need a Star Wars movie every year, but I just worry that like it suddenly seems like Disney's movie slate is really crowded now that they've taken on Fox because now like you've got not just Star Wars and Marvel, but X-Men and Avatar and all this other kind of stuff that they're working with. And they don't want those movies competing against each other. And so even if you look at the release dates for like the early 2020s, like the Christmas releases are alternating between Star Wars and Avatar every year. And that just makes me wonder, like, is there more Star Wars content that we could be getting? Like, and are there things that they're developing right now that are just going to sit on the shelf for a while not because they're not ready or because they need more time in development, but because Disney's like, all right, cool. That's, that's a good idea. We're going to put it out 10 years from now because we've got Marvel and Avatar and a bunch of other stuff lined up. And we don't want to, you know, just have star Wars competing with that. Cause we're trying to make as much money as possible off of all of our releases. So even though the Fox acquisition leads to, a lot more like the potential for a lot more different types of content and a lot more different types of stories for people that are fans of all this stuff that Disney now owns. Is it going to space it all out more in the long run? Um, and it seems like that may be the case for star Wars because like the fact that they went from, Oh, we're going to have, you know, a star Wars movie every year for, you know, the foreseeable future to now, we're not getting a movie for until three years from now. And in the next 
seven years because yeah it's 2019 so by 2026 in the next seven years we're only getting three more star wars movies after the rise of skywalker so that's a huge shift from um sort of what their initial plan was when they took over um and again not that i'm complaining too much because again like if see if the rise of skywalker ended and i felt like okay well they don't really have many more stories to tell i don't want them to force it but obviously the star wars universe is ripe with storytelling possibilities and the fact that they're now the fact that they're hinting at you know that they're maybe going back to the old republic now i'm like yes yes i want all of that but now it's like okay it's going to be a little bit of a, a bit of a slow drip um so i don't know we'll see and like who knows we maybe could get some more release dates announced um in the future you know they may decide they want to add some more movies in there or things could always get shuffled around um, but I just hope that we're not sitting on good Star Wars content where they're like, hey, we've got directors and writers and stuff lined up for this awesome new Star Wars trilogy, but we're not going to be able to start on it till like 10 years from now because we've already got a trilogy in the works and then, you know, we got to plan around all these other Disney properties that we don't want to land on top of. Yeah, well, I know they got a plan ahead, but hopefully not that far ahead where they're lining up directors and scriptwriters for movies 10 years down the line <laughs> well i'm just saying i mean think far, about but... like if benioff and weiss are doing say they're doing the next three star wars movies say that is a trilogy that they're doing then when do ryan johnson's movies come that's going to be almost 10 years from now yeah well that was all before they i think they you know established this new plan not a release movie so maybe they're yeah. kind of stuck with that right now and going forward they won't like planned that way but mm. i think right now that's kind of the situation they're in but i will say this i mean i hope everyone enjoy it while it lasts i know i did but this era that we're in right now it's going to end about getting a new star wars movie every year it was amazing <laughs> everything i hoped it would be and, and having that a thing to look forward to of a new star wars movie every year was so awesome and like i said maybe we'll get back to that at some point but for the foreseeable future it looks like it's going to be in this one moment of time, in this like few years of between 2015 and 2019, that we got to enjoy a new Star Wars movie every year. I'll never forget that as a lifelong Star Wars fan and never even thinking about that being a possibility. It was has been a real special time, and I think, it's, or I know it's going to continue for the last one here of episode nine. But hope everyone enjoyed it because it was something special. And even though it's always going to be special when we get a new Star Wars movie, even if we have to wait. There was nothing quite like about even right after The Force Awakens, knowing that next year we're going to be right back to seeing another Star Wars movie. And that continued for the next three years. But it's going to end. But like I said, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. And moving down in the future when we get these next movies, it'll still be special. But, you know, knowing we have to wait a little bit longer for the next one <laughs> might feel a little weird at first, even though, like we said, we're used to it as kind of older Star Wars fans. But I've really gotten used to the every year aspect of getting a new Star Wars film. So it might take a little bit of adjustment going back to every two years now, but it'll be worth it in the end. But I'll just think it's this was a special time to be a Star Wars fan for getting one every year while it lasted. I don't I, you know, I just don't. It's hard to say what, what Disney's doing right now. And I think that's the problem is that, again, they're not, com not, not confidence at the right word. They just don't have a clear direction, it seems like. There's no, again, there's no Kevin Feige. And again, I'm not, I, I know 
it's, it's I, I don't want to compare Marvel and Lucasfilm together because they're very different things, right? Marvel's got a whole different um, medium it does in comic books where that's their that's their main like story factory and the mcu is a completely different thing from those comic books it takes from those comic books and inspires those things and it's its own entity of itself and kevin feige has brilliantly gone through and mined the good and the bad from those comics and has orchestrated one of the most brilliant ideas in cinematic history i don't care what you say star wars is different and there's just a lot more just I don't want to say TLC, but yeah, TLC. And there's a lot more you have to be, you know, a little more history with these characters. People grew, you know, there's multiple generations that grew up watching these in film, not just growing up reading these, you know, a, a, a small portion of people reading these comic books as kids or or, or whatever these characters like People brought their families and, and you know, they saw these movies as kids. They brought their kids. It's a generational thing. So everyone has feels ownership to these films. So there is something special to it. So people hold it to a higher esteem. For whatever reason, Lucasfilm just has a different kind of outset of what it needs to do with these films. Because I guess also Kevin Feige kind of set out to make multiple films in the first place, like back to back to back to back. So he kind of knew what he had to do and learned, took his lumps earlier, you know, here or there. Yeah. But well, and obviously movies, with the first, like from the first Iron Man, they knew they were building up to the Avengers. Like he had that plan. That was the goal. From that the was outset. the goal. Yeah, that was the goal. It wasn't, it wasn't guaranteed, but that was the goal. Mm-hmm. And, and and they worked towards that goal. Now, just it's funny enough, comparable to George Lucas, right? He no, a little bit different. It's very loosely different, but still similar. You know, they well, yeah, he they, had his outlines for the whole nine movies before, right? Right. You know, like no, no, no. according to you know, depending on which report you right. read, his goal was you know that he yeah, was, his goal was to, yeah, like he his knew some of that stuff movie. before, like before even a New Hope, like he knew. The history right. of Anakin and how, like, the last time him and Obi Wan fought and all that kind of stuff. So, right, but, and but, but, here's but, the but, thing: like, but, when you're talking about how Lucasfilm seems like it doesn't really have a direction, I agree that obviously that was the case for the sequel trilogy because Disney bought Lucasfilm and they wanted to strike while the iron was hot and start making Star Wars movies right away. And even when they faced delays and when, you know, they hired Michael Arndt to write the script and then he was taken forever and JJ had to take over at the last minute and write it with Lawrence Kasdan, like a couple months before they started shooting, they were like, well, it's too late now. Like we're making the movie. So write something. Um, the fact that after the rise of Skywalker, that we don't have another Star Wars movie for three years, it's going to be a little bit of a frustrating wait just because we're so used to having a movie every year now. But I will say the one thing I'm really excited for is the fact that now they have that time to plan. Like whatever movies are coming next, I want a really well thought out trilogy where you can watch the first movie and there's seeds planted of, you know, okay, we kind of know where this is going and um, we can, you know, have questions that we expect to get answered in the, the second movie and then it doesn't feel like somebody else came in and went actually no I'm going to flip that on its head like you know and I'm not I don't hate the last Jedi obviously but just the fact that it feels so different like you can tell that JJ had his ideas in the first movie and then Ryan came in and was like yeah but what if we did this with it you know like I want the next trilogy to feel cohesive 
And like somebody, like there was one person who had an idea for where this story should go and how it should unfold over three movies, regardless of whether, you know, they all have the same director or the same writer, just, you know, somebody, whether it's even, you know, Kathleen Kennedy or like the Lucasfilm story group, somebody should just plan this out and have some foresight to just give us like a, a cohesive story kind of like you're talking about with marvel like i'm not expecting them to plan start planning out you know this epic long you know 20 movie thing um that's going to keep building on itself if they want to do just a trilogy or like a short series of movies that's based on kotor or whatever that's fine i just i want them to take advantage of this three-year gap that they've got and really plan this thing out and make it the absolute best it can be not just for the first movie but for the trilogy as a whole Right. But what I'm trying to say is that, you know, the MCU has they have direction, they have like a, a method. And right now, Star Wars doesn't really have that. And they right. Don't have and I'm, I'm just that, saying they have the chance to get that now. But I don't. But that's my 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 whole thing is the problem is they don't really have someone like Kevin Feige. Kathleen Kennedy and Kevin Feige are two very different kind of strengths and weaknesses. Kevin Feige knows how to orchestrate the overall like vision. Whereas Kathleen Kennedy is more of like a straight line, like traditional producer and isn't really involved in the, isn't really involved in story. Whereas Kevin Feige. And again, maybe the, the difference is because Kevin Feige has a passion for the characters and stuff beforehand, at least at, at some level. And he knows what makes it work and what doesn't make it work. Whereas Kathleen Kennedy is more, again, she's brilliant and she's makes a lot of money and she's made some great decisions. Don't get me wrong, but overall I just think that there's an, a lack of vision. And I think that's part of not, not her strength. And that's not saying she's terrible either. Again, like look at the force awakens and look at rogue one. And she's in, I love solo. Like she's made great decisions. She's, I think she's made some not so great decisions too. And I think in how direction of the sequel trilogy, but again, that's just, that's whatever. My point is, I don't know if where where we're even with the three year wait, Kyle. If I'm really confident that it's super going to be still going to be vastly organized, it's probably going to be better organized. But is it going to be on a level where it needs to be? It remains to be seen. And this is where again, you've hired so many different people to make Star Wars movies or content with with Ryan Johnson, the Benioff and Weiss. Um, this, uh, this, the gal that's writing the new KOTOR film apparently, and you've got J John Favreau and the Mandalorian, you've got the, you know, the, uh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's his name? Cassian Andor series. You got another series on top of that. That's been not been, uh, announced. There's, there's a lot of things going on and it's just, there needs to be some cohesiveness. And I'm wondering, I'm hoping that's what's happening now. And I know Kathleen has sat down and said, this is what we're going to do. And I'm hoping that that's, she stays true to that. And there is going to be a vision because the right. And again, what I, I don't, we just don't know. And we don't. And obviously I think we, we I think we'd all agree that whatever, whatever Benioff and Weiss do on this first film, whether it be KOTOR or, or the janitor from the Death Star movie, <laughs> it's, it's this next movie if it's going to be a series like the press release said it's going to be, it has to be financially successful. And we all know Solo proves, and again, we're coming off the whole Mate Solo 2 Happen hashtag, which is a great, awesome fan thing because everyone like me, a lot of people like me and out there that love Solo to death and feels it's getting like 
it needs more follow-up. It also proved that Star Wars is not, it's not invincible and that mm-hmm. it is capable of being, you know, not a box office smash and in, in pause. And again, in retrospect to what comes before a disappointment. So depending on what happens with rise of Skywalker, it's a lot riding on this next Benioff and Weiss movie. And I think star Wars films going forward. Cause what I also think could happen is if Benioff and Weiss blows up, then we could see a return to one year, you know, to a more than or a film every year, Tim, you know, going back to what you're saying. And that's what I, my whole point of this all is. It, there's a lot going on with the Disney Plus series, with films. And I'm I, I right now, I think Star Wars isn't is, is more organized than it has been. And it's and it's right now. It's 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 not doing too much. They're just kind of waiting and seeing. They're they got the Rise of Skywalker. They're gonna finish that up. It, Rise of Skywalker should make a billion, over a billion. It oh, should. Easily. If it doesn't, well, right. But we you know we don't know. We just never know what's gonna happen, right? I I it will. But let's just say, you know, let's hope it does and it does well. So then you've got the Mandalorian coming out. You've got Cassian Andor coming out. You've got. Obviously, between now and the next, or Benioff and Weiss, uh, Skywalker Rises and Benioff and Weiss, there's three series out there. So we're going to have plenty of content, and I think they're going to wait and see what these two series do because they're obviously the the things that are replacing the films, in my opinion. Like that's, it's a no, it's it's obvious. Like these are replacing the films. If 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 there was no Disney Plus service, I feel there would be films coming out, but there's not, and they're just waiting and seeing how much is too much Star Wars. And if Benioff and Weiss during this next three years during these TV series film uh, series guys, they do well for Disney Plus, and then Benioff and Weiss goes and makes over a billion dollars, and is and obviously a billion three years from now is not going to look as impressive as it is now. It'll always be impressive, but it's it's as the years go on, a billion is more reachable, you know, because of inflation, et cetera, et cetera. So makes over a billion dollars. Everyone calls that a, a giant success, right? So. What do they do? Do they keep the two-year wait or do they go every year? There's They leave themselves open for multiple things. And that's the thing in this business that we have to remember. You don't want to put yourselves in a corner one way or another. And if Benioff and Weiss isn't successful, you cut it off and you go to the next one. So it's – and I think we all know it's probably I don't know about that happening. though because there's definitely – like there's the potential to course correct in there. Um I mean, for an example, look at the like the financial success of Batman Begins compared to The Dark Knight. Like, Batman Begins wasn't necessarily a failure, but The Dark Knight exploded um, and was way more financially successful. So now it's one thing if the movie is like a a critical disaster. um, I'm just saying, like, if they if they invest in a plan to make a new series and make a new trilogy, if the first one doesn't do as well as you think, that's not necessarily a, um, you know, a reason to, you know, hit the panic button and abort and start over with something else, especially with something like Star Wars, because, you know, what is considered like financially successful for Star Wars is obviously a much higher standard. Like, I think it's hard to imagine, especially if there's a three year gap and then they come back with a Knights of the Old Republic movie, even if it's not as good as we all would hope, people are going to go see it like it's going to make money. There's not going to be a mo- uh, another Star Wars movie coming out six months beforehand that's hugely divisive that's going to make some people want to boycott it. You know what I mean? Like, 
there were just, I don't know, man. And, and it, they're not going to be putting it out three weeks after Avengers infinity war. Like, you know, solo just had so much stuff stacked against it. Oh, and yeah. I think, I mean, obviously there is going to be a lot riding on whatever the first film of whatever next trilogy is going to be. But I think just with the marketing and the fact that there will have been a little break from star Wars and the fact that people love star Wars and are going to want to go see it. Um, it's hard to imagine a scenario where it fails so hard that it completely derails their plans for an entire trilogy or an entire series that was supposed to follow that. I mean, I also thought episode eight last Jedi would, would never ever have gotten this reaction the way it is either. So there's, you never say never. And I think what the last Jedi and solo has taught Disney and Lucasfilm now is that you don't, you just can't count on anything. Well, right. But here's the thing. Look at the reaction to the last Jedi though. We're still getting episode nine. Like it didn't change anything there. That's what I'm saying. You can't predict people's reactions. Um, but the last Jedi still made it. The last Jedi still made a ton of money and they're still continuing on with the sequel trilogy and the rise of Skywalker is still going to make a ton of money. They never were not going to, they never were not going to finish the sequel trilogy. That was going to be done regardless. So if they plan a whole new trilogy, they're still going to finish it. But but I'm telling you this right now, there's no way they are 100% committing to Benioff and Weiss for a trilogy. They're not, they're going to wait and see what that, just like I said with Ryan Johnson. There's no way they're going to send it. You know, if let's say hypothetically say they do give Ryan Johnson a trilogy, they're not. It's going to be optioned for trilogy. It's all going to be options. There's not going to be anything for, um, you know, a guaranteed three films or whatever. They they ever put three films out there. Everyone's saying it's a trilogy. We don't know what the possibilities are. We we just don't because again, it could make money, but it also could potentially do not meet expectations and make them go, you know what? We're not really happy with the, with the, with the financial turnout and the critical it's kind of mixed too. We're not going to go forward with it. There's like you, Batman begins is a great example of how you like Batman begins is a great example. Cause they had to reboot everything, right? Bat, it came off Batman and Robin and they gave a fill a very um, up and coming filmmaker a, a chance they get it was a moderate budget there was a lot of things right and it did it pretty well and again they well right but i'm saying it still wasn't a huge financial success it was but again batman they just wanted to get batman and see if the public still wanted batman films and tim you could speak better than probably both of us on this and i would say that that batman begins it was it was it was not a test necessarily but they they wanted to kind of see is this movie still financially successful? And they and they gave him the sequel. It was never a guarantee he was going to get that sequel either. Correct? I, I don't. Yeah, I don't think it was much like the financial. I mean, of course, that's the big reason. But just during that time, like I said, coming off of Batman and Robin, just to get a respectable Batman movie out that was successful and critically successful, I think was a big part of it. Yes. And even though it didn't do like massive numbers, it still made enough to be considered a hit, but the buzz surrounding it was the big thing that everyone who did see it was telling people, oh, you got to like see this movie, this new Batman movie is like the one that did it right. And once I think it really got strong on DVD releases and that yeah. got, you know, the buzz really high for the dark Knight before that came out. So I think more than anything, it was just like Batman getting that respectability about as far as being a well done movie with the character again. So I don't know. It's kind of different when 
been talking about it with Star Wars because going back to what you were saying about episode eight and the reaction that got and how there is no way they're not not going to do episode nine. To me, it's kind of hard to compare that with these new trilogies because there's no way that anything would stop them from completing the trilogy, even if Last Jedi financially didn't hit a billion or was just a disaster they still had to finish nine they'd be a more disaster like they cut the trilogy off there you cannot end the main saga film if one movie is unsuccessful but i think you can do that with a new set of series you're Mm -hmm. trying to do yeah because it doesn't have that you know seven or -hmm. six prior films before this new trilogy started so i don't know yeah it is a very interesting topic (laughs) and debate that we're having right now on it just how different the scenario is even though it is for the same franchise <laughs> that we're talking about this feels like this totally new I mean, we talked about the sequel trilogy when it first started being and, and the disney era being uncharted now we're moving into another like uncharted era for star wars when it comes to movie making not having the main saga film but just going off of brand new stories uh, to tell and whether they're successful or not and how that could determine and affect the movies following it it's all just big questions that we have to wait and see about how the first film does i mean there's gonna be like you said Paul, it's gonna be a lot writing on this first benioff and weiss film as far as what they decide to do to move forward because i do think more now so than ever that it depending on how this movie does will affect their plans for you know for the potential trilogy or uh, to move away from you know trilogies altogether and i think that's kind of maybe what they might do as far as first films go like have it stand on its own but can't continue if it is successful it's kind of do what a new hope did where obviously was set up for more movies but it was its own self-contained story that if that was it that was good enough where it had an ending that everyone was satisfied with so i think that's something they might be doing more now as far as how the movies are made and how they're trying to tell the stories don't have it i mean we do like to have things planned but for potential series or trilogies that they're going to do. But I think the smart move would be to, you know, hope for a trilogy, but not to really, you know, rest on that. You have to, you have two more movies to tell your story completely. You might want to have it where a story is told fully in one movie, but can't continue on, but not uh, have dangling questions that you need to be answered in the first movie. So uh, we'll see if that's the way they go with Benioff and Weiss's movie and Ryan Johnson's trilogy, if that happens uh, later down the line. So I don't know, it's definitely going to be interesting after this period, after the rise of Skywalker, just so many questions and possibilities that uh, can happen with these future films. Yeah, definitely. And I think, like we said, it's, well, as Yoda would say, always in motion is the future. It's very <laughs> oh, yeah. kind of cloudy yeah. right now. Like we have release oh, yeah. dates, we have directors, we have ideas for projects, and it's just it's hard to figure out where exactly everything is going to land. But um, I mean, obviously, I think once we're past uh, the rise of Skywalker and we start getting into that three year period and we'll probably I mean, Obviously, we're not going to get a trailer or anything, but maybe we'll get some more announcements about things at Celebration next year. Um, yeah. And, I mean, again, that's, you know, a year ahead to be thinking about stuff. But, um, you know, the the picture will all start coming together um, eventually. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's fun to think about and wonder about just kind of the future of Star Wars and what that is all going to look like. Um, you guys know me, as long as we're getting something in the old Republic, I'm good with that. Um, and hopefully it's really successful. See, it's weird. I feel like even with 
even with Solo, like that still kind of feels like a fluke to me. It's still hard to imagine a Star Wars movie being like a financial failure. And even, you know, we talked about Solo, like it was a, fa- a financial failure by Star Wars standards, but it wasn't like a total flop. Um, no, it was. You're right. It was just not nearly as successful as they wanted it to be. But I still think, you know, there were just so many factors working against it. Oh, oh yeah. Um, between, and, and we've talked about this before, we don't need to keep beating a dead horse, but um, the fact that, you know, we're getting a three-year gap, so there won't be a Star Wars fatigue. If anything, there will be interest built back up because people will be like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, we're anticipating and wanting to see what's coming next from Star Wars. And the fact that, I mean, even though there's a, a general contingent uh, or like a, a large portion of the audience is just general casual moviegoers, right? Like they're not big Star Wars nerds like us. But among the hardcore Star Wars fan segment of the population, there was a general, you know, there there was a, uh, a perception among some people, not everybody, but there were a lot of fans that were like, why do we need a young Han Solo movie? Like, you know, it just didn't feel like there was a ton of excitement built up for it. Whereas there are a ton of people that would love nothing more than to go see Knights of the Old Republic on the big screen. Um, And so I think you're going to have more built in interest from the fan base. And then of course you can still sell it to the general population as just, you know, the next big star Wars movie and you get to introduce them to these characters for the first time. So I think there's a lot of potential for it. And I think if they do it right and they take their time with it and, you know, over these next three years, they really build out a good story. And then, of course, with, you know, Disney, you know, the marketing's going to be on point. And that was the other thing with Solo. Like they didn't start putting trailers out until after The Last Jedi and they kind of rushed it. Um, so with a three year gap and then a build up to a new Star Wars movie, you know, like they're going to make sure that there are butts in seats. So I have a hard time imagining that whatever they put out is not going to be successful unless people like really hate it. Um, but hopefully that's not the case. We'll see. You never know. It could happen. But I am hoping for the best. And at least we still know Star Wars is still continuing in the movie theaters. <laughs> that's the that's true. Mean important thing that after the rise of skywalker we even have to wait a little bit we know more are on the way because there's still nothing quite like seeing star wars on the big screen yeah i mean 10 years ago we never would have even thought that we'd get an episode nine much less more movies beyond that so exactly um well i think we have said pretty much all there is to be said for right now on the movie front um but let's uh, wrap up with the last couple things real quick. Um, first of all, the well, actually on May 4th, they announced the journey to the Star Wars Rise of Skywalker book line. Um, and as we kind of talked about earlier, like there's one that's going to be a novel called uh, Star Wars Resistance Reborn. Um, and this is like in an adult novel format. And it says um, Poe Dameron, General Leia Organa, Rey and Finn must struggle to rebuild the resistance after after their defeat at the hands of the First Order in Star Wars The Last Jedi. So it's nice that we actually get... I think this is the first time that we're getting like a tie-in uh, full novel for one of the movies that takes place like in between or right before. Because with um, The Force Awakens, I mean, the big one was Aftermath. Um, and then you had some of those young reader novels that focused on like Rey and Finn and Poe. And then, I mean, you couldn't do a tie-in novel in between force awakens and last jedi because they happen back to back so um i'm definitely looking forward to picking this one up and filling in you know starting to fill in that year-long time gap like we were talking about and finding out what our characters have been up to in the meantime um 
and but then we've also got some young adult novels, um, Star Wars Force Collector, Star Wars Allegiance. Um, actually, Allegiance is a, a comic miniseries. Um, and then we've got, um, you know, some more like young reader novels, one called Spark of the Resistance. We've got the uh, Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, of course, the Star Wars, uh, the Ultimate Star Wars New Edition. Um, and the one that I'm really excited for, of course, the art of Star Wars, the Rise of Skywalker with just an awesome looking cover yeah. with <laughs> Ray and Kylo with their sabers crossed, but it also looks like they're like a mirror image of each other. Like Ray is like seeing Kylo as her reflection in this pool of water, but then also fighting him. It's just really cool. Like I would frame just that cover up on my wall. Um, but yeah, so that's um, some of the stuff that you can be expecting to pick up um, on uh or the, it doesn't all come out on the same day some of these like yeah, the, scattered. yeah like the art book comes out the day the movie comes out um as always because you know there's gonna be spoilers in there but but october 4th i think is the official uh force what's the official name force triple friday four, is it triple Virtual force friday, friday. Yeah, right yeah. oh yeah because it's uh it's rise of skywalker mandalorian and jedi fallen order yeah yeah um, so most of the books come out on that date but yeah, some of the bigger ones like the art book and yeah, uh, will be out one before the movie or the day the movie comes out. And actually, which uh, is always a fun day. Yeah, and Resistance Reborn comes out on November twelfth, actually, so that's right in between the two. Um, and then also, um, just a quick update on Star Wars Battlefront Two for those of you uh, that are into the gaming side of Star Wars, like we are. Um, they just released another new update uh yesterday no a couple days ago um but earlier this week um there's a new update where uh they added camino as a new map for capital supremacy um and that's a lot of fun i have to say of all the capital supremacy maps i think camino is the one that feels the most like old school battlefront with the command posts and stuff um because I think so the Geonosis map is a lot of fun, but with those command posts, they feel kind of close together. So it's very hectic. Like you run to one command post, you take it, you run to the next one, you take it. And by that time, somebody else has taken the one that you just took. And it's like, I don't know, it, it's very fast paced and it's fun, but it doesn't quite feel like the, the classic like conquest mode from the old battlefront where like the command post would be in separate rooms and on different platforms and stuff. And so I think the way that it's all spread out on Camino, um, it's just got that classic battlefront vibe of like, you know, you capture a command post and then you defend it and, you know, you got guys coming after it and stuff and you can kind of keep the same command posts for a while. Um, so I've been having a lot of fun with that one. They also reworked the heroes versus villains mode. So there's no more like target system and it's basically just four versus so four. So much better. Yeah, it's like four versus four, like blast essentially with just heroes and villains. And uh, that's been interesting to play around with and see that change. But I think that's a lot of fun now too. Um, I like the old system too, but there's definitely some benefits to this one. Like somebody playing as Boba Fett can't become the target and just fly circles around the map. Um, so I think this is a little bit more fair and fun and it's just, you know, just all out hero combat and, you know, without worrying about trying to run away or kill a certain person or something like that. Um, but those were kind of the two main changes in this update. Um, but 
uh, the month of June is going to be a very exciting month for Star Wars gaming because we've got EA Play and we're going to get to see our first gameplay footage from Jedi Fallen Order. Um, but some of the developers for Battlefront, um, who I follow on Twitter and stuff, have also been hinting that there's going to be some big stuff um, coming for Battlefront in June as well, that we're going to be getting a new roadmap update um, showing off some more content that we'll be getting for the rest of the year. So who knows, maybe we'll finally get uh, Ahsoka and Ventress or some Droidicas or, um, I don't know, maybe a new map or something coming later in the year. But um, yeah, so uh, for, for those of you that are into Star Wars gaming, um, keep your eyes peeled in June. And of course, we'll be talking about all that stuff that gets announced here on the podcast as well. Um, and then lastly, um, just on more of a somber note, um, this is, you know, happened almost a month ago now, but I'm sure you've all heard um, that Peter Mayhew passed away uh, back on May 2nd. Um, obviously, the the man behind the mask of Chewbacca um, in the original trilogy. And well, I was going to say the original trilogy in The Force Awakens, but he also was in uh, Revenge of the Sith as well. Um, and was just, uh, you know, obviously sad to lose him, but nice to see just so many touching tributes from um, all over the Star Wars fandom, you know, just from fans and from people involved in the movies and from uh, even like Mark Hamill and Harrison Ford had very nice things to say about him. Um, and it meant a lot to me because I, you know, for me on it, like for you guys that don't know, I'm six foot eight, so I'm, you know, super tall. Like I can kind of consider myself a Wookiee in some regards. Um, and just <laughs> love, uh, yeah. When we were at celebration, my nickname was Kyle Baca. Um, and so, you know, I love Chewie and I love, uh, you know, the Wookiees and stuff. And Chewie's never been like my favorite character because I've always been so into like the Jedi and everything and that whole mythology. But just like on a purely physical level, like he's the character that I relate to the most in Star Wars. And uh, I got to meet Peter, Peter Mayhew um, and have a, a signed picture of Chewie that he signed for me. So, um, you know, it was sad to lose him. But like I said, um, just was nice to see um, just the love poured out from the star wars community in regards to that yeah that was a real bummer to learn that he passed away i mean we knew you know he wasn't in the best of health even when he was filming the force awakens but it was still sad to hear that um, he passed away and man you just can't undersell the importance of what he brought to the role of chewie and he is arguably the most lovable character in star wars and one of the most lovable Mm -hmm. characters in cinema just in general and it's in no small part due to the performance of Peter Mayhew to why we all love Chewbacca. I don't think that can be understated. So his importance to the character in Star Wars is just meant so much to me and I'm sure every other Star Wars fan out there. So it was such a loss, but I mean, he's always going to be remembered for the specialness that he brought to Chewie and what made him such a lovable, great character. Yeah, it was, you know, I, Chewie's never been like my favorite character, but obviously Peter Mayhew was 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 a, a legend in Star Wars and obviously brought everything into Chewie. I love in the Clone Wars, uh, Dave Filoni brought in Peter yeah. Mayhew and, mm-hmm. and, and really analyzed everything about what he did for the character movement-wise and analyzed that and let Peter kind of instruct the animators of what to do and took his walk and, and everything. I mean, because he was Chewbacca and they... It, they just didn't take it for granted. Like I love that about Chewie and I love that the fact that he is very, he very much is Peter and 
Giannis has obviously had to emulate a lot of what, and he's even gone on and said that, like that's I'm he is Peter. I had to become Peter, not Chewbacca, because Chewbacca is Peter. So I love the reverence that everyone has given him, and it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, I work in a business where people pass away all the time, and it's it's not it's not easy. And especially, you know, Peter was only in his 70s, and it's still pretty young. In, as far as I'm concerned, and it's too young and uh, sad. And I'm, I'm pray for his family, and I, and I just I, I think I, I'm very thankful that we got him for as long as we did, and and, and the accomplishments he did, and, and what he's, he means for uh, fans everywhere of Star Wars. So it's a tragic tragedy we've lost him uh, this early. Yeah, definitely. And even when you were talking about just like what he brought to Chewie physically and how Dave Filoni brought him in to, you know, study him on the Clone Wars and stuff. I remember there was a story about um, when they were filming The Empire Strikes Back, I think um, it might have been when they were in Iceland, like filming stuff for Hoth, but uh, Peter got sick and couldn't show up to set for a couple days and they brought in you know, they found somebody else that was like super tall and they figured like, oh, we'll just stick another tall guy in the suit and keep filming Chewie scenes. Um, And they couldn't do it like i mean like they they filmed it and then had to go back and completely reshoot it and do it over again when peter came back healthy because they realized like oh it's like there's so much of him in the character of chewbacca it's not just you know he's not just a tall guy in the suit but just so much of chewie's uh mannerisms and and movements and just sort of the the body and the soul of that character like was him and what he brought to it so um yeah, just really can't understate his importance to Star Wars and to that character, um, and he'll be missed. Um, but with that, uh, before we wrap up here, um, Tim, I know you've got some uh, listener responses and tweets and stuff for us um, from some of the uh, topics that we talked about, so you want to go ahead and read those for us? Yeah, so i got a few responses on the Vanity Fair info and images that we got this week. Um, first up on Twitter on some of the images, um, Paul Stewart at Mr. Peastu uh, says, all these new pictures added to the knowledge that we won't be getting any new movies for three years just ramps up the excitement. And then PJ Woolman at uh, Remy's Gambit says his favorite image was Luke and R2. It's immediately become my phone background. And quite a few uh, reactions to the Luke and R2 image. Um, and then Spencer at Spencer uh, Toyson says, after seeing the photo of Luke with R2, I think it hints that we'll see more flashbacks in The Rise of Skywalker. Bold prediction. We'll see Han, Luke, and Leia together one last time. I don't know how aware, but I have a very good feeling about this. And then on Facebook, James Hewing says, is Luke a force ghost and can R2 see him in that shot? So a lot of speculation about that image of Luke and R2 since he wasn't shown as being a force ghost. And yeah, I think we're definitely going to see him as a force ghost, but going to Spencer's point, I wouldn't be surprised either if we get some type of flashback. I don't know about the big three reunion with Han and Leia together. That I don't know how they pulled that off, but um, there just might be something to it where maybe, I don't know, well, maybe it could work through a vision or something because that image in the Vanity Fair uh, picture where we see Luke in if it was something just shot for Vanity Fair that has no bearings on that it's going to be in the movie, I just wonder why they chose that background of, you know, the flames behind him, if it signifies the Jedi Temple he built or the tree, uh, the forest tree that you mentioned, Kyle. I don't know, there's some reason I think 
there's going to be more to Luke than just a force ghost based on that image. So we'll just have to wait and see, but it definitely raised a lot of speculation, but cool image regardless. <laughs> that's for sure. And then on Facebook, uh, Rich Brockwell sent us a message. He says, Hey guys, just seen the vanity fair article, loved the pictures and got very excited. One thing that's bugging me and has since the beginning of this trilogy is the rise of Skywalker has another desert planet. That's not Jakku, not Jetta, not Tatooine. It just looks like every other dust bowl. My biggest issue with the sequels has been the lack of imagination, and sadly, The Rise of Skywalker seems to follow suit. It's not a major gripe. I'm sure I'll still love it, but man, I wish we still had George's imagination around. Keep up the good work, guys. Well, thanks for the message, Rich, and I think it's safe to say we share in your sentiment with your comment right there about, you know, the fact we're getting another uh, desert planet, as we talked about in the beginning of the episode. But like you, not enough to you know, totally temper our expectations down for the movie. Still plenty excited for it like you are. So uh, thank you for sending that message and to everyone's reactions on the Vanity Fair info and the pictures. But also um, this past weekend was the 20th anniversary of The Phantom Menace officially when it came out. And it was awesome seeing everyone's tweets and seeing it actually trending on Twitter that day on its 20th anniversary just showing, you know, the love and appreciation it has now 20 years later that we didn't necessarily see back when the movie first came out and during the prequel trilogy era. So to see it come around and then be shown in a more positive light amongst the fans was really cool to see. But we got a couple of comments on Facebook um, regarding the Phantom Menace 20th anniversary. Uh, Dominic Papagini says, my favorite Star Wars movie is Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. And then Brian V. Klein says, I love the story. It set up something so much bigger. The whole taxation of trade routes gets a bum rap, but that was just a catalyst to what was really going on behind the scenes. Couldn't agree more, Brian. <laughs> As we talked about in our commentary episode, that whole uh, Senate hearings on Coruscant, Palpatine's grand scheme, all starting from just a trade dispute, is brilliant when you look at the larger picture that you just said there. So, yeah, mm -hmm. there's so much to love about The Phantom Menace when you look back at it and its place in the Star Wars saga. So, yeah, again, just great to see the positive reactions and memories being shared about The Phantom Menace a week ago on its 20th anniversary. It was great to see. So, yeah, yeah thanks, everyone, think... as always, for your responses, not only on the Vanity Fair stuff, but sharing your Phantom Menace uh, uh, memories and thoughts as well. Yeah, I think probably my favorite part of seeing all those Phantom Menace memories and stuff that people were sharing on Twitter was all the love that Ahmed Best was getting. Yeah. Um, and again, like I totally, I still understand why some people, you know, Jar Jar maybe isn't their cup of tea, but for everything, first of all, for, you know, just everything that he's been through, um, you know, you think Kelly Marie Tran had it bad, but like this was back in the days before even like, I would say Ahmed Best was kind of like the precursor to that in a way almost, you know? And I mean, obviously he has been very open about his story about how he almost killed himself over that. Um, and to see sort of the comeback that he's made and to sh just see the love and appreciation that people poured out for him just as a member of the star Wars community, but then also really appreciating his, uh, achievements in the field of filmmaking. The fact that yeah. like he was really one of the first pioneers in that motion capture technology, like everybody, uh, rightfully so gives credit to Andy Serkis for kind of pioneering that with Gollum and Lord of the Rings. Um, just because those movies were so successful and so well loved. 
Um, and obviously he was a huge part of that. And, you know, Andy Serkis is a phenomenal actor and does phenomenal uh, motion capture work. But Ahmed Best was like, I, I don't want to say, um, you know, the, the test dummy, but I mean, he kind of was in a way like there were, he was working with the guys at ILM and they were figuring out that technology like on the set, like they were building it. Like they had to write the code and like build that technology in order to do the stuff that George wanted to do. Like it hadn't been done yet. Um, and so to see him sort of get recognition for being somewhat of a pioneer that he is in that field. And, you know, he tends to just get overlooked because people are like, Oh, it's Jar Jar Binks and it's the star Wars prequels. And it's, you know, stupid. Um, like, no, he actually like put in a lot of work that deserves to be recognized for that. Um, and then also, like I said, just seeing, you know, all the, the fan love and appreciation and just embracing him as a, uh, a genuine member of the star Wars family was just really, uh, really cool to see and really heartwarming. So, um, Kudos to everybody for that, for, um, you know, just, just spreading that love and positivity for The Phantom Menace. And uh, gosh, hard to believe it's been 20 years already, but... Um, I know, man. <laughs> yeah, how times have changed, you know. Hopefully we'll all be doing the same thing with the 20th anniversary of The Last Jedi and... Oh, man. Uh, no, I don't even want to that far years from now. <laughs> um, But, uh, yeah, that was really cool to see. So... Um, well, yeah, it's been great to uh, get back on here and talk some more Star Wars with you guys. Um, I'm, I shouldn't be surprised, but I'm a little surprised that we went this long just talking about like the Vanity oh, Fair stuff and whatever. On. But yeah, um, yeah the yeah, fact that we we haven't, yeah, we haven't recorded a new episode on like movie stuff in almost a month, so um, had to get back in here and uh, just talk about all this Rise of Skywalker stuff. Hopefully, it will not be as long. Uh, before our next episode, we actually have plans to uh, record another movie commentary shortly um, that you guys will, uh, that'll be our next, probably our next episode out. That'll be out sometime in June. So you guys will get to hear that. But we'll also, we still got to come back and talk about The Mandalorian. And then we've also got EA Play in June. So we'll probably be talking about a lot of video game stuff as well. Um, and hopefully we can get all that stuff under our belt before Entertainment Weekly or somebody else comes and drops some more uh, Rise of Skywalker stuff on us. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's get the train rolling, and uh, there's going to be a lot more awesome Star Wars stuff coming before the end of the year. So you can have lots more to look forward to from us, and uh, just glad you guys are uh, here to enjoy the ride with us. So. Um, thank you for tuning in. As always, you can find us online at Star Wars TSC on Twitter and uh, Star Wars The Saga Continues on Facebook. And you can send us email at StarWarsTSC at gmail.com and check out our website at StarWarsTSC.com for all the latest news and updates and rumors and stuff that we're posting and we're talking about on there. Um, so yeah, we will be back with a new episode soon. Thank you guys for listening. We will see you next time and may the force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Got speed rebels. <laughs>